You're listening to the Winnebus.net Podcast Network. Something's coming. Stand by. Hold on to your hats, here we go. One, I am Sean DeRager, and with me is BJ Colangelo. What's up, what's up, what's up? I'm back. BJ gets top billing because I was a total dick last week and didn't even mention her until the end of the show, so I apologize. You're an a-hole. That's fine. <laughs> yep. And uh, as always, uh, with us is uh, Brad Henderson. Hi. Not the Brad Henderson. Oh, Brad Henderson. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the... <laughs> Well, I'm excited because we're not talking porn this week, so I'm extremely excited to be back talking genre, horror, and things like that. You have no idea how upset I am that I had to miss the porn episode. (laughs) Well, we should be, in the next couple weeks, we should be doing Arrow's next uh, package. So, BJ, we'll make sure your calendar is clear. vinegar syndrome? Beautiful. Vinegar. Who did I say? See... You said arrow. Arrow. Arrow's on the brink. I just got the battles without honor and humanity set. I'm looking at right now. While you were talking about porn, I was hanging with the dudes from Vinegar Syndrome at Ah. Cinema Wasteland. Super awesome. Awesome. Uh, I meant the Vinegar Syndrome package is what we will be talking about (laughs) in the next couple weeks, the April package. So BJ, we'll make sure that uh, you're part of that for sure. Because... We got one. I looked up on IMDb, and one of the tags was double penetration. So I own so much vinegar syndrome. I will have to it's be that, unhealthy at this point. Well, it was totally out of. I was out of my comfort zone last week. I will try to, you know, at least comfort zone. You know, I was a bit nervous <laughs> talking about this stuff. Just felt like just an idiot. So uh, nervous. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're having cute, sex for the Sean. first time. <laughs> What do you do with I'm your hands? I'm so nervous. What do, yeah, what do I do? I, I, I put them up on my table as I talk. My hands are up on my table as I'm talking about vinegar Fucking syndrome. Fucking two-pump two chump over here watching <laughs> vinegar syndrome. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, I think I said we were, were going to – last week I had mentioned we're going to be talking the uh, American Horror uh, Project Blu-rays. But we're going to move that next week. To next week because we may have a special guest for that episode that will contribute to the conversation quite a bit. So today, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to be talking about Scream Factory's release of The Hallow, uh, as well as for VHS. Oh my God! Glad you said it About Spookies and Stream Screams, we'll be talking about Blair Witch Two. But first, <laughs> it's actually called Book of Shadows. Blair Witch. I, I know. I'm I'm shortening it. Everyone knows what the hell it is. But first. I know it we're going to jump they? into. Do they? They do. Uh, what's on your doorstep? Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Well, since I, uh, I missed last week. Sorry, I just interrupted you do all it. over the place. People don't understand how hard it is to podcast in different time zones because I can't look at you (laughs) to go off of your physical cues. I just have to 
say some things and hope to God that it doesn't interrupt the middle of your things. No, no. It's all good. But. I actually appreciate a, uh, <laughs> a sort of woman. Well, <laughs> that's an understatement <laughs> with me, Sean. <laughs> so uh, I actually saw quite a bit of uh, awesome film. Stuff. Uh some stuff and some things <laughs> while I was gone. Um, so I'll start with uh, the things that weren't so great. And uh, let's move from there. Actually, they, I was very lucky. A lot of these are pretty awesome. Um, the first one, I uh, checked out the uh, the glorious cinematic masterpiece <laughs> that will forever be known as Hashtag Horror. Uh, oh, my God. It's on Netflix. Don't do it. Wait a minute. Don't fucking Wait do a minute. It. That's the name of it? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Jared. Uh, is that the Jared Cohn movie? It's directed by Tara something. She's an actress. Um, um, it is it is an art house film with social commentary that doesn't go quite art house enough for me to be like, oh yeah, I could excuse a lot of the really awful aspects of this film. Um, it's about a group of 12 year old entitled rich waspy kids in new England. And, uh, they play this like social media game where you like post pictures and you hashtag and, um, you know, you earn points that way. And one of the girls goes fucking ape shit. And it has like, you know, all this commentary on bullying and, you know, what it's like to be a girl. And while that aspect of it, is incredibly powerful and very strong of kind of how shitty girls are to each other when they're in junior high. I think it's probably the closest representation I've seen to how girls today especially actually interact. The horror aspect of it, a little wonky. Uh, The dialogue for anybody that isn't a 12-year-old, super forced and weird. Um, And it's got this weird, like, wannabe art house kind of... It, it's got kind of like this weird surrealism thing going on, similar to the film Detention, but it doesn't do it successfully. So it's just awkward and jarring, and maybe that's the point they're trying to make, but either way, not for me. Uh, really not for me. If you want to listen to 12-year-old... I don't know who did it. I caught it on Netflix, but whoever... I mean, if you want to listen to a bunch of twelve-year-olds tell you know tell each other that they're a bunch of fat asses and they should go puke some more and that you know boys will never like them and they're ugly, like go for it, knock yourself out. It's a fucking miserable piece of cinema. Um, so I saw that. <laughs> um, after that, uh, <laughs> everything else on my list I actually would recommend. Um, so the next thing I saw, I caught. Uh, <laughs> I caught uh, Harvest Lake. Directed by uh, the yeah. guys who found and headless, uh, starring Ellie Church and Jason Crow and Tristan Risk. Um, there's a lot of fucking in this movie. Um, there's a lot of really cool special effects in this movie. I think that this is a film where they said we have a really cool concept and didn't think through on how to write a story to really inf- enforce the concept. Um, brief synopsis, group of kids go into the woods for like a summer cabin and they start getting seduced by mother nature. And there's these really like sexual, like genitalia looking 
nature plant things growing in the woods. Like some of them look like throbbing testicles. Some of them look mm. like labias. I think there was a there's Texas a Montana of, YouTube episode where he found one of those. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of fluids <laughs> that come out that look like ejaculate. It's really got a cool like kind of psychosexual thing going on with it. But the story itself is a little weak. Um, I think they kind of blew their load. No, no pun intended. Um, pun pun very much intended. I think they blew their load on uh, the idea that they're like we have crazy sex plants and we have some you know hot you know red hot indie actors that are making a name for themselves and completely forgot. Hey, we can't just have this cool idea. We have to give it a story. Um, that being said, I still would recommend it. I think that it's. Uh, it's not as good as found, but I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed oh, Headless. Oh, God, um, dude. Watching paint dry is kind of better than Headless. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I try not to trash on any of those films because, you know, they're giving work to people that I consider my friends. So, you know, I, right. I always try to Headless, support. Headless right. was made in such a way that it was just really trying to play off the success the indie success of found and just oh absolutely was just a complete mess and just wanted to put like found pushes limits but it's in the context of like a coming of age uh horror movie yeah there's there's Endless a story just tries to be mean like it's yeah. just a mean fucking movie and i think that's but. that's kind of what struggle what harvest lake struggles with is that it it's not giving me a story. It's not really giving me a justification for, you know, a guy eating out a tree. Like, <laughs> that's crazy weird shit that I want to see. I like I want to see pe- was, people yeah. fucking plants. But give me a goddamn story. Give me people to care about. And, oh, God, this is the biggest pet peeve I have. If anybody follows me on Twitter, they know that I have a huge problem with really bad extensions on actresses or especially professional wrestlers. And in the opening shot of, or the opening sequence of Harvest Lake, there is this beautifully shot, like Adam and Eve style thing going on in, in, in the woods. And it's gorgeous cinematography, beautiful sound design, beautiful. And then they do this wide shot and you can distinctly see that the actress is wearing some broke ass extensions that don't match her hair. And the second I saw that, I was like, I'm out. Like I'm completely out because now I'm seeing the seams. Like that is considered to me, that is a seam and I am seeing it. And I know that what I'm watching is an underground film and I'm out. Like it took me out completely. That stupid little tidbit. Oh God, it just makes me crazy. So Harvest Lake, check it out, support, you know, crazy underground film, uh, and look at people hump, uh, fuck trunks, because that's what it is. It's a, it's a tree that you can fuck. (laughs) I dig Um, it. Yeah. Uh, I watched Adam Rifkin's documentary, uh, Giuseppe Makes a Movie. I don't know if either of you have caught that. What's it called? Uh, Giuseppe Makes a Movie. It's about, uh, Giuseppe Andrews. He was in Detroit Rock City and 2001 Maniacs and, you know, bunch of other you know weirdo kind of movies and now he lives in a trailer park and makes feature films for like two thousand dollars or less he casts homeless people and people within the trailer park and makes them do like crazy ass shit but he's also incredibly caring and takes kind of takes care of these people um fascinating i don't want to say much more than that because 
you just need to watch it. It reminds me a lot of, you know, American movie, but yeah. it's so strange and weird. And Giuseppe, Giuseppe Andrews is fascinating to me. He always has been. Um, but seeing his, you know, process and seeing that there are people out there that are making things because they just want to make art and not because, you know, they're trying to be the coolest guy on Twitter is really exciting and really inspiring to me. But it's it's a great documentary. Check it out. If you like Giuseppe Andrews or you like Adam Rifkin or you like just fucking crazy ass shit about how to make a movie, watch it because it's, it's nuts. It's really good. It's really, yeah, it really this, good. Yeah, it came out just, uh, what, December or something? November on Blu-ray? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we grabbed it at uh, at Wasteland and watched it, and I was just blown away. Um, the next thing I watched, I caught the uh, preview screening of Her Name is Torment 2, so another totally underground film uh, by Dustin Mills. Um, you know, Speaking of Integrative Syndrome, a lot of his filmography is on exploitation TV. Um, Dustin is another one of those folks that makes feature films for, you know, like five grand or less. Her name is Torment 2 is batshit. It is absolutely insane. Um, all of the effects were done by Marcus Cook, who I know Brad knows, who did the effects for, uh, you know, We Are Still Here. Um, they're unbelievable. Like, it's insane. He is so talented in the fact that he is not like Tom Savini right now is sickening because he's so fucking talented. Um, but yeah, the film is, is, is crazy. It's really surreal. Um, it's, it'll definitely push your comfort zone. Um, there is a P and the V sex sequence and it is one of the most beautiful and kind of gut wrenching scenes I've ever seen in an indie film. It's great. Um, check it out when it comes out. It should be coming out in the next couple of months or so. I know the the pre-orders are, you know, starting to get packaged up. So if you did that, do that. It's it's great. Um, I watched Diary of a Deadbeat, the Jim Van Beber documentary. Yeah. Oh man. He's a fucking. Uh, he's an, He's a. Yeah. Is, is this yeah. like? Is he? This isn't like making fun of him this is he is actually a part of it right like yeah, this is like part the of one it. about the yeah like that like that director of uh of uh Boondock Saints right it's not something nope. like that okay nope no. he is he is involved in it okay. uh Vic Bonacore uh is the director and he you know kind of followed Jim Van Bibber around for a couple of years <laughs> um there's actually a scene in it from Cinema Wasteland when a fan asked Jim Van Beber, like, had you been on a plane in 9-11, how would have things been different? <laughs> Jim Van Beber then goes on a, he goes on a drunken tirade about how Bush did 9-11 and literally drops the mic and leaves. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, That's incredible. Uh, yeah. But there's, there's Being all friends these great on Facebook interviews. with him is awesome. Uh, well, okay, so here's the crazy thing. Like, the thing that blew my fucking brains out is that uh, Heidi Honeycutt, formerly of, uh, like, Pretty Scary, uh, she runs the Theory of Film Night, she's in, the inter- she's in the documentary, and I don't know how many years back, but there was this big online beef thing between her and Jim Van Beber on the Blood Sprayer, like, forum boards. So when I saw her pop up as a talking head promoting Jim Van Beber and about how you know, he's this misunderstood artist. I was like, God damn, like this is, this is crazy. 
you know, Vic definitely did his research that he got her to be a part of it, but it's a great documentary. Finn Bimmer is nuts, totally nuts, but I think that he's a misunderstood genius because his films are genuinely great and they're so much fun. And when you see what he accomplished with the little amount of money that he had, it's, uh, I, I wish that that was still a sustainable sort of thing, but that just, it doesn't happen anymore and it sucks. Uh, so check that one out for sure. It's great. Um, Have you ever told the story on the show about how Jim Van Pepper almost killed me? <laughs> I don't think I don't, so. You told me about it. I don't think, I don't know if you sent me. I show, need to know. <laughs> well, anyways, he was, he, uh, you know, cause he lives in Florida. He, um, yeah. he, he did this short film called Gator Green and he was, uh, they just wrapped it up. He spent like all his fucking money, his producer's money and making this short film that he wanted to make into a feature. So we have a place called the Tampa Bay Picture Show here. It's in Tampa, and they show, like, really independent movies every once in a while. Like, next week, they're showing Marcus uh, Marcus Cook's Bloodshock, the mini American guinea pig movie. Well, anyways. Oh, cool. Um, so I went up there because they were doing a double feature. They were playing the Manson family with Gator Green. So I really wanted to see Gator Green because I've always, ever since I was younger, I really liked Jim Van Beber. Ever since I saw Dead Beat at Dawn. Um, so I was, my buddy, Brian and I, we went up there, um, and he, he had a Manson, uh, the Manson family, like the, the tape by Severin, he wanted him to sign. So we like get up there and Jim's like just drinking out of a fucking, but like a huge bottle of vodka, just like leaning back and just chugging this bottle. So we like go up to him and I'm like, Hey Jim, I was like, you know, really excited about tonight, blah, blah, blah. You know, will you sign my buddy's tape for me? He's like, yeah, yeah, man. Just go in there and just, you know, hang out and, you know, I'll come by and sign your tape and say hello. So we're like, we go get in the little restaurant thing and get something to eat. About 15, 20 minutes later, Jim Van Beber like kicks open the front door of the lobby and goes, and, and he's walking around saying he's a pirate. And he's drunk <laughs> off his fucking ass. So he's like marching around in the lobby. And um, Tom, uh, the Tom Cruise movie Oblivion's playing in the theater. So he goes, what's going on in here? And they're like, well, Jim, they're finished up the movie. He's like, fuck that. We're playing my movie now. He busts in during the movie is playing and is screaming at people to mo- get, leave the theater. So oh management like God. comes out and they're like, we want him the fuck out of here. And, you know, the producers and his wife were like, well, Jim, he's here for this. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm calling the cops. So I say to my buddy, I was like, dude, we need to probably go with him so he can <laughs> sign your tape because he's definitely getting arrested. So anyways, we go outside. Um, you know who Scott Cabby is by chance, BJ? Oh, the name sounds so familiar. Well, he's he's been in some short films, Jim. He he used to work for like Ultraviolent and stuff like that magazine. Oh, anyway, yes, Scott, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So Scott Gabby's out there. Uh, myself, Jim, the producer, his wife, and so I like know the area a little bit. And they're like, "Man, Jim's getting arrested." I like, "Let's go down to the bar." Well, Jim sees me, and I'm wearing the same shirt as the workers there, like uh, just a red shirt. And he comes up to me, he goes, you're going to call the cops on me, motherfucker? And he runs up to me and grabs me by my neck and leans oh his God. fist back. And Jim's a big dude. Yeah. And he leans his fist back like he's going to punch me right in the face. And the producers grab him. He's like, no, 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 he's he's a fan. He just wants to help you. And so, like, they, like, 
grab him so he doesn't punch punch me in the face, and I just like like just gra- like grab him like a hug so that way he doesn't punch me. <laughs> so it's like, dude, we gotta get out of here. So we take Jim to a bar down the street and we start feeding him drinks, and he's already oh, fucking no. blackout drunk. And he's telling us stories about Hollywood, and we're just at the bar, just chilling with Jim Van Beber, like for three hours, while he's telling us stories about how he was always fucked over in Hollywood. And <laughs> I was like, finally, I got the tape from my buddy, and I was like, "Hey, can you sign this?" He's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "You help me out tonight." So he grabs the tape and draws a picture of Africa. <laughs> it was, I love you, and like Jim Van Beber. And I was like, dude, that's great. That's and like amazing. my buddy's looking at the tape and he's like he's like he ruined it, but this is the greatest night ever. <laughs> and I was so we hung out with Jim Van Beber just telling us stories. And it was fucking great. He got he gets so belligerent. Like he'll be in the middle of oh, a story yeah. and then he'll just he'll just turn on you. Like he would like yeah, start yelling. Like, he's like You have to check out this documentary because it's cra- like you're absolutely right. It's crazy to see like how quickly he turns from like this fucking genius He's such filmmaker a sweet guy at times. into like a monster. Yeah. yeah um, so they, you know, they were filming uh, the American guinea pig first one, the re, you know, the, they're kind of their version of the yeah, uh, yeah. book bouquet of guts and gore. Well, Jim Van Beber's actually in the movie playing the editor. He's one of the guys that ah, you know, is videotaping okay. and stuff like that. So, during like them filming that, Jim was always on set and just creating like chaos every once in a while, like you know, just to the point where they didn't want him to promote the movie or talk about it. So it was just kind of it's almost like he's uncredited. Like they had Jim Van Beber on set, like running the VHS. He, he actually shot most of the footage on the sixteen. Like he was mm-hmm. a cinematographer, but like they just kept him away from that because I think Stephen Byro is uh, scared that he'll just say something, you know, because he's kind of racist. Not Stephen, yeah, uh, Jim, of course, and like he's a huge Trump supporter. Like yep. watching him on Facebook do his rants about Trump is one of the funniest fucking things in the world. But anyways, <laughs> that's the night that uh, Jim Van Beber almost knocked me the fuck out. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you texted so me the next that, day. You were just like, I just had the craziest people, night. If that doesn't encourage people to watch this documentary, I don't know what else will. Like, oh, man. Yeah. that's the guy we're And it's we're still one of the greatest on, so. nights ever, like, <laughs> as far as living I in love- Florida and hanging out with Jim Van Beber for over three hours, feeding him God. drinks. And, and listening to stories from him is just fucking awesome. And Gator that's Green was hilarious. never made into a feature. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not very well, good. With a title like he, that, he wrestles real gators. <laughs> like they were like Scott Gabby's in it, and he was telling me stories. Like he was fucking scared to death because Jim would just jump in the water and start wrestling a real gator, and the cameras God. weren't even rolling. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, like uh, just watch if if anybody is really into it, watch Deadbeat at Dawn and watch the yeah. uh, Diary of a Deadbeat. Because as far as a filmmaker goes, Jim made Debbie at Dawn for no money. It makes kind of a kick-ass vigilante exploitation flick. And yeah, it is it's, glorious. It's oh, really so fucking good. good. It's like it's, it's so like good. the Warriors like meets Raiders of Atlantis meets a five dollar bill, and that's all they had. <laughs> a five dollar <laughs> <And>, bill. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he no, makes like, such a kick it, ass. It blows your mind when when you when you watch it when you hear the stories about how like he took out a loan to finish school and then instead made this movie. <laughs> like that's. Yeah. <laughs> It was like, yeah, I'm going to finish film school. Just kidding. I'm just going to make this movie. Technically, that's film school. Like, it's it's nuts. Yeah. You you got to check them both out. Make a double feature of it. Make sure you watch cool. Debut at Dawn first. But, yeah, I have, I have two more. Two more. Uh, so, I don't know if you... I'm going to be real. I did not listen to last week. I haven't had time. Um, I watched <laughs> Hush. Um, I don't know if you guys talked no, about it at all. About uh, I talked okay, about so Hush I, watched... I saw it at South by. Yeah, so I saw Hush, um, the new Mike Flanagan film. I liked it. I mean, the story itself was kind of pots and pans for me. Um, nothing, you know, too out of the box. The execution about it was a little different for me. I liked the sound design a lot, given that our lead character is supposed to be a deaf mute. Uh, but then even even that's not a very uh, original thing. If you watch exploitation film, there's a lot of deaf mute women, um, or at least a lot of mute women. But uh, I did enjoy it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I wish the dude would not have taken his mask off. But isn't that a crock of shit? Like I can't believe he takes off it. Like it was so it was so effective with the mask. When he takes yeah. it off, it's like Michael Myers taking off his mask. It's like eh. yeah, it just like who, like, who, oh, who, like I don't you, know. It, that movie he is looks, so he looks like basic. the guy who he looks like the guy who goes hunting and then doesn't wash his shirt and goes to school the next day like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing dude that's what that guy looks yeah. like to me um yeah it was so, just I don't know. it's I, so it's so fucking bland i really like flanagan too i love absentia and i, I love oculus too. but i did not like hush at all i liked it i just compared <sighs> to his other stuff it just didn't do anything for me um it but, felt like a lifetime movie it really did yeah but i like lifetime movies so mm, that says a lot about yeah. me <laughs> but we've 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 tackled that before um but the one that i really want to talk about that i am so fucking pumped to talk about uh i caught a this a once in a lifetime screening of the original x-rated version of ken russell's the devil yeah it was so good um because i'd seen the devils before but i had never seen the you know x-rated version that will probably never see the light of day it's gonna sit in the vault forever um so good holy crap the devils is fucking crazy um this naked nun orgy things and blood and like super gay musical theater and religion and everything that I love in the world. Um, I had a blast with it. I thought it was so much fun. Um, between the original version and the X-rated version, there's not a, a shitload of differences, but uh, it's that the, orgy the, scene that takes is longer. Yeah, it's, it's the uh, a, rape a of Christ. Longer. Yeah, it's a lot longer and it's a lot more gratuitous, um, but it's still it's still pretty cool. Um, speaking of fighting gators, they <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> the devils has a oh great God. scene where Oliver Reed has a fucking gator, <laughs> just like throw it at him and he like gator grabs it as like a weapon and like <laughs> he uses it he uses a fake alligator to stop <laughs> a sword. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, Oliver Reed is great in it. I mean, he's he's great in pretty much everything, but that performance is really fantastic. And so is Vanessa Redgrave. 
God damn how her neck must have hurt. Um, standing God, yeah. in like a cockeyed Especially expression st- for an entire film. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Ugh, I don't, I don't know how she did it, but, but yeah, I, I loved every minute of it. And somebody make a petition of something like the X-rated version needs to come out on blue. So the whole world can experience it. Oh, it's Does so that held good. Like Warner brothers is obviously holding on to this because they have the right oh, distribution yeah. rights and they're yeah. obviously they're not the kind of company that's going to, you know, release both versions. Yeah, and they they should because it was they, like this is how how good you know this movie is is that there was a wrestling show that night and we chose to go see this movie instead <laughs> and I don't like I go see indie wrestling for pretty much anything and I was like no we have to we have to go see this <laughs> so we went and it was a total blast it was awesome yeah I've heard, so I've heard about this one quite a bit this is pretty notorious but I've never seen it so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have some extra cash on you, they did release it, I think, in the UK um, on censored. It's like 2005, I think, the DVD came out. And it actually has, because it's the Rape of Christ, and then there's some other, like, uncensored. Yeah. Um, I think it's like a total of, like, two minutes yeah. that is actually the, yeah. considered the X-rated. But, um, Are you yeah. sure that's yeah, X-rated, or is that, the un- is that the full uncut release in the UK? Um, it has it, it has kind of uh, somewhere overseas has the X rated. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, just just overseas, no nowhere over here. But it has um it has like a I can't remember what it it's like has like an art uh, like a painting of Oliver Reed uh, like staring off into the distance like with a white background behind him. That's what the DVD cover looks like. Yeah, yeah. So, so those I've seen. It's not the, I've seen the DVD. I've seen the poster. I've seen the you know. I've never actually seen it. I'll, I'll, I'll have to at least track down. That'll, even if that, it's just a that movie will but. mess with you, Sean. Oh, there's a whole <laughs> lot of weird Jesus stuff going on. Good. In it. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff I love. Like if it's, yeah, it's, you know. it's great. It's, it's wonderful. It's and, just a beautiful movie in general. Yeah, it is. And it, it looks absolutely stunning. Um, yeah. Check that one out. It's great. Highly, 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 highly recommend it. But that cool. was my doorstep. That is the longest I've ever had. I am so proud of myself. Awesome. I have a, I have a couple things. I'll go next, and then Brad can do his magnum opus. Sound good? Not that much. <laughs> I don't know. Um. All right. First up, I uh, much there was much uh, much to do when Twilight Time released their Night of the Living Dead Blu-ray, uh, the Tom Savini version. And then when they released it, it was like this weirdly color timed, like about five minutes into the film, all of a sudden this dark blue filter just appears over everything. Um, so of course, you know, everyone lost their mind. Everyone went ape shit, but everyone, Twilight Time had the release, uh, distribution rights on it. And there's pretty much nothing that anyone can do. Um, they said it was director supervised as well. That's total bullshit. I think it was director shrugged. That's what I think. <laughs> well, Tom Savini really doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> so um, it looks it looks aw- I mean, really, it looks awful. I can I I compared it to the DVD, and I I preferred watching the DVD just because the color felt right. Because it because nat- the whole thing is Oof. is well, it's, it's Night of the Living coloring wise. Like it's the Night of the Living Dead. So like. It starts in the graveyard and it starts gradually getting darker as the night goes on, you know? 
until it becomes Night of the Living Dead. Well, you know, five minutes in, all of a sudden, it's weirdly just dark in the Twilight Time version. So uh, I got well, it's word. dark right after Johnny dies. It, like, is when Barbara's, like, after she crashes the car yeah. and she's running to the farmhouse, it becomes nighttime, it looks like. And it starts, most of like, that movie, the, like, half of that movie takes place during the day. Well, no, it's, it's start, the sun starts going down, and there's, like, shots of, like, the sun right, setting. Right, most of the movie is, like, during the day, though, until, uh, you know, Tony Todd kind of yeah. really shows up. I mean, yeah. the whole movie takes – I mean, she's shooting people out in broad daylight. Right, but the Twilight Time like, – Twilight Time, right, yeah, timing, no, it's, it's dark, like, freaking dark. It's really it's, – it's, it's maddening. It, so uh, Umbrella released a double feature, limited edition to – uh, let me see how many. Two thousand three hundred copies of this double of this uh, double feature Blu-ray with the original Night of the Living Dead and Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead. Um, I'm not sure how many of these are left. I know that uh, they they do still have stock, and I'll I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a so it's a store. It's an Australian store, JBL or something like that. Um, they had. Can you just get it from Umbrella Entertainment? You can't get this directly from Umbrella. It's it's like a, really? it's kind of like how it's like directly from JBL. So hmm. I, I don't think like you can. I, I looked it up on the site and it's not available there, but it's available on on JBL. So anyway, it's it's uh, what I wanted to mention was like it looks great, it looks fantastic. They used a Sony HD Master, I believe, and uh, it looks pretty damn good. It's marked Region B, but it's actually region free. And that, that happens a lot on Umbrella titles. Uh, there's a few that are region B locked, but most, a lot of them will say region B, but it'll actually be re- region free. Okay, this this is this is what's happening with it. It's the release that you're talking about is limited to 2,300. It yes. contains George Romero's Night of the Living Dead and then Tom Sabini's Night of the Living Dead. Yes, Umbrella will be releasing the standalone uh, remake uh, on. S- um, well, it looks like it's already out. Just the standalone, non-two-disc, just with the Savini version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and coming special, out in like... Special I was told June, but... Looks like June 4th. Okay. Just wait, does Australia flip their dates? I don't no, know. They don't? don't Alright, so 6-4-16. Six, six, it says in stock, so I think that might be 4-6. Okay, cool. Well, they, I mean, I so know. the double feature is cool. I checked out both. I checked out Romero's version. It looks pretty damn good. I haven't um, seen any other Blu-ray versions, but it looks to me, it looks you know pretty good. And um, and but I was excited to have the correct color timing on 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 Savini's and and these both have a bunch of special features. This uh, has way more special features on on Savini's than Twilight Times did. And um, so if you can get it, it's pretty, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely worth it. I think I spent like 25 bucks. So um, if, if there's still any in stock, I would definitely check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes for everyone, but I'll also put the link to the standalone. So that way, I think it's like $14 Australian. So that goes down to about uh, after shipping, you're going to pay maybe like 15 or 16, something like that. So pretty damn good. Sell off your Twilight Time Blu-rays and, and buy this. You probably make a shit ton off of it too, huh? You probably make a ton off of your. Um, you might Twilight do. Time. You might do pretty well. I'm. I have an eBay listing right now for mine. So let's just say it paid for my Australian version already. Um. So anyway, so grab that. So if you were, 
upset at the lack of quality on the Twilight Time, Night of the Living Dead, 1990 version, um, there is hope. You, you can get it and for pretty damn cheap. You'll get it, you can get it through JBL or you can get it through uh, Umbrella's site. And um, like I said, Australian prices for us in the U.S. because uh, you're, you're going to save some money. All right. Next up, uh, I have a couple Severn things that I checked out. I I put I turned this on the other day as I was like doing stuff around the house. But uh, Severn releases Blu-ray Kung Fu Trailers of Fury. It's over two hours of Kung Fu trailers. <laughs> See, it's like give oh, me the boy. movies, man. I don't like. I'm just not into watching fucking trailers. This I mean, this is this is fun to kind of have. Like just sitting down and watching this with popcorn and a soda. I'm not going to do that. But as I was doing stuff I around think, the house, I think Zach actually bought this, so. I might have to watch it now. Just having it play is a lot of fun. The, the kids would <laughs> kind of pop in and look at. You mentioned American Movie earlier, and you just said soda like Mike does in American Movie. <laughs> you want a soda? Soda. Soda. Can you get can you can you get my soda off the ground before it freezes? I love that movie so much. <laughs> anyway, um, this is pretty fun. It, it it does have like a featurette about the uh, you know about kung fu cinema. Uh, I guess there's some audio commentaries on this, and but uh, for me, like I, I want to actually sit down and actually take notes on some of these that I want to see and, and track them down. Um, but uh, pretty fun, pretty awesome. Some some Bruce Lee stuff that I hadn't seen, and uh, it's, it's just you know it, it's a good time. This is the kind of thing you put like if you have a party, you kind of just throw on in the background and just have it play in a loop. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So um, anyway, pretty fun, pretty fun for me to watch. Not too much to dive into that one. And then finally, I the other thing from Severn I wanted to get to um, was their documentary, That's Sexploitation. So after talking Vinegar Syndrome and stuff, I was had been wanting to get to this. Uh, I have it, and I haven't watched it yet, so I'm really excited to hear what it's you have to say. It's really good. It's fascinating because, you know, you think about, like, adult entertainment and sexploitation films and things like that. Like, you kind of – like, my brain kind of goes to maybe, like, the 70s or maybe late 60s. But they have footage from like the 20s and 30s of you know of naked women running around and things like that. And it's funny seeing how this has changed throughout the years. You know, the, every decade more, you know, our um, you know the, the tolerance right for for nudity and, and and sex on film and things like that kind of you know goes out the window more and more. So every everyone's getting braver and braver as as these as the decades go along, but, um, it's a pretty fun little, little, uh, documentary. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's, it's kind of a, there's some tongue in cheek aspect to it with, uh, they're, they're having fun with it, but it's, um, it's very interesting, um, to, to check out. So there's also like cool. three and a half hours of shorts from the something weird archives. So it's a lot of bare breasts. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's great. It's 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 actually pretty uh, educational. I, I I when I tweeted about this, I hashtag I hashtag education, and I probably pissed off a whole lot of teachers. Scrolling. Teachers. No, no, boobs boobs are crucial in this world. So I would definitely check it out um, if you're interested interested in exploitation or even just history of of cinema. I think it's definitely worth your time to check out because that's a definitely an important part of cinema. Um, and that's, uh, I believe that's all I got. 
Yeah. Well, a, just to say, that. I was on this uh, jbhifi.com is the website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Psycho 4 is on Blu-ray over there. So everybody get your credit cards ready because <laughs> Psycho 4 is on Blu-ray over JB there. JB Hi-Fi, no okay. Not JBL. Yeah. JBL is like speakers or something. I apologize. Yeah. They also have a house in Sorority Row for like 20 bucks, rather than paying for the billion-dollar Scorpion. Oh, there you go. Mm. And a lot of them use kind of the same transfers and stuff. Yeah, and they have a lot of those Hammer titles that are super cheap, too. Well, anyways, all right. I have zero. <laughs> all right, so there we go. Um, no, I have a, I have just a, a few things. Um, I got a German uh, Blu-ray in of uh, 1955's Tarantula, basically yeah. uh, an insect movie. Dude, Tarantula is fucking good. Like, you know, sometimes those movies drag a little bit, but Tarantula is fucking entertaining. Like, the special effects, I mean, obviously, you know, they just have a miniature spider, but, um, or did they? That's the question you have to ask. Um, But the spider looks so fucking good when it's, like, going across, like, the city and through the towns and stuff. Like, they just did a great job. Every once in a while, like, you can tell, like, one of the legs isn't actually touching the ground. But, I mean, all in all, they made a pretty entertaining movie where you also have this kind of infection that's happening with with the doctor. And then just kind of the relationship between the doctor and the assistant, um, not the doctor of the tarantula, but the doctor of town. Like, he's a fucking smooth operator. <laughs> Like, he's always saying, like, some really fucking sexy shit to this girl. And I'm like, dang, bruh, you got it going on. But anyways, Tarantula is really good. If you can, uh, you know, find it on DVD over here, great. The Blu-ray is, like, only, like, if you find one of those deals on Amazon Germany, they usually have, like, 12 Blu-rays for, like, 50 bucks. And if you use your Amazon Prime account, you get them for pretty, pretty cheap. Um... Next up was, um, Sean, you've talked about this movie a few times, and I finally got to watch it, so I won't spend too much time on it. But I finally got around to watching As Below, As Above, So Below. Oh, yeah. Dude, how fucking good is that movie? It's good, man. Dude, the ending's great. I love the last, like, 15 minutes of it. Yeah. All the way through, man. It's But it's so creepy. Yeah. It's fucking creepy through the whole movie. And I don't but like yeah, and I, mean, I don't I, like first person found footage at all, but this one I really liked. Yeah, they did it. They did a really good job, man. I was I was uh I was really impressed. Um you know, I I, I really, really dug dug that movie quite a bit. I know you were. Um and uh next up was <sighs> see this movie for yourselves, people, but <laughs> I am like you know, it was funny because I, I tweeted. The tweet was pretty popular. Um, but anyways, I said that I am getting tired of horror anthologies like people are done with found footage. Horror anthologies can kind of go fuck themselves at this point because <laughs> I've watched so many and none of them are actually good. They're like, oh, there's so two good segments. Yeah, out of six? Like, yeah, I hear you. what the fuck? I'm not going to watch. I like that's, I'm not watching that shit for two good segments. Well, I finally got around to watching uh, Holidays, which has a good amount of filmmakers in it that I enjoy. Yes, I even like Scott Stewart. I like Dark Skies, and I liked uh, that movie where the guy from Fast and Furious 3 was killing angels. Um, <laughs> whatever that Legion? was called. 
Yeah, I like Legion. Oh, he too. had a he had a machine gun and a sword. What what can you go wrong with that? Uh. Um, I even enjoy that movie. But um, Holidays is just it's kind of dreadfully boring. It it like I think since they position themselves into making things about because each short is a different holiday, of course. Well, I think they pigeonhole themselves because they have to do something about that and write something based in that time. And I don't think the filmmakers were probably given enough time, and I think that so many restrictions like, hey, you get Mother's Day. Write a short about Mother's Day. Well, what the fuck am I going to write about? Like, And it felt like that. It felt like everything was just so rushed and you know, just very, just very bland. Um, like there's a short in there that's so fucking good until the end. And it's like, what the fuck have I, what did I just watch? But it's called the father's day episode where the segment was my favorite. It's setup is so fucking good and it's super emotional and it's very creepy. But once you actually find out what's going on, it totally loses you a hundred percent. Um, for me at least, um, you know, Kevin Smith was, you know, kind of kind of weird and not that great. Um, but uh, I think the most decent one that I liked all around was the Christmas one, which was the one with Seth Green. I forget who did who directed that one. Um, but uh, anyways, Scott Stewart did that one. Was that the Scott Stewart one? See, Legion. Yeah. That's my boy right there. <laughs> Legion of Dark Skies and Priest. Don't forget Priest. Um, so true. anyways, um, I, I just did not enjoy holidays at all and i i'm frankly enough between the recent um like even tales of halloween like i dig some of it but i it was just it was two hours it felt like it was two hours right tales of halloween's gotta be two hours there's like fifty thousand yeah. shorts in that. <laughs> um and i only really enjoyed three of them like i'm just about done it's like abc's of death like such a cool little idea how do you fuck something like that up and, you know, I actually prefer ABCs of Death over ABCs of Death 2 because – and I didn't think it could get worse. <laughs> oh, but, but it does. I, I'm just – yeah, it did. It got really bad. Like I don't even think I enjoyed a segment from ABCs of Death 2. Um, but anyways, I'm just kind of over it. Like it's a cool idea for horror anthologies, but like – now these movies are coming out where they're just taking a collection of shorts and putting them together. You know, they did that with the Invoking 2, which is weird. Um, you know, the, uh, they did that with uh, the sequel of the Damien Leone uh, movie with Art the Clown, whatever that's called. Uh, anyways, he, he made a – he just put a, his shorts together and made a movie, which is cool. And then they did a sequel, no relation whatsoever, fucked it all up. But I don't know. I'm just getting pretty uh, – Pretty tired of it. But, um, yeah, watch it for yourself. Tell me what you think. And I think that's pretty much it, other than what we're going to talk about. I watched some other shit, but not anything good enough to talk about on here. Sweet. All right. Well, we'll be talking about The Hallow in just a second. But first, we are going to jump into some news with Josh Obershaw. All right, Josh Obershaw joins us for our new segment. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing good. We've had a lot of cool. announcements come up since we talked last, so uh, 
I'm going to let you get right to it. And it's only been just a week. I mean, compared to the last time, we had a lot of stuff last time because we were on break, but I figured this would be a light week. <laughs> nope, not at all. And uh, we got some late-breaking stuff coming in uh, just today. Our sponsors, Vinegar Syndrome, just confirms one of their releases for their June lineup, and that's going to be a Blu-ray double feature of two black exploitation movies from 1975. Both of these are directed by a guy named Matt Simber. They are The Candy Tangerine Man and Lady Coco. Oh, man. So we don't have... We don't have any uh, other details besides besides that, but I'm sure once their June lineup gets announced, we'll have all those details for you as soon as they come in. And next up, we've got... Let me see here. Oh, yeah, we got a couple of uh, couple of more from uh, Shout Factory I want to want to bring up. I don't know how this one escaped me, but uh, apparently Shout Factory are going to be putting out a special edition of Death Wish 2. Nice. And that's going to be released on July 26th. Uh, the extras are still in progress, but one thing I can tell you is this Blu-ray is going to contain two versions of the movie. We're going to get the R-rated theatrical cut, which comes in in about 89 minutes, and we are getting an unrated cut, which is uh, clocking in at 91 minutes. Now, as far as aspect ratio, because I know the last time this came out on home video, MGM put it out on DVD. It was a full screen presentation, but we do not know yet if it's going to be also full screen or is going to be the uh, theatrical version of that. So that's Death Wish 2. And I got a little bit of an update on a title we previously posted on the site a while back. This is uh, the Sylvester Stallone movie Nighthawks. This was supposed to come out May 3rd, but now it's getting pushed back to July 19th. And considering that the extras are still in progress for this one, I can only speculate that we're going to get some really cool features on that. So we'll, we'll let you know when that, when that happens. And coming up next is from 88 Films. They're releasing Lumberto Bava's 1992 giallo film Body Puzzle. And uh, this is a film I know nothing about, never knew it existed, but I'm really excited that this is going to be coming out because I'm getting more and more interested in these like later day films from guys like Fulci and Lombardo yeah. Baba. Um, no release date or any other details, but we'll keep you posted on that too. And another one, oh yeah, I forgot. Another one from Screen Factory that I want to mention is um, Manhunter. This is the two-disc collector's edition that's coming out May 24th. The extras have been revealed for that, and they are aplenty. <laughs> We've got brand-new interviews with William Peterson, Joan Allen, Tom Noonan, and Brian Cox. We've also got another interview with the director of photography, Dante Spinotti. And we've got a featurette called The Music of Manhunter, and it mm. features interviews with composer... Michelle Rubini, hope I'm saying that name right, and various members of the groups Shriekback, the Prime Movers, the Reds, and Red 7. And that's all going to be on disc one, which is also going to contain the theatrical version of the film. Disc two contains the director's cut, which is going to be in HD, but the extra stuff is going to be standard. There's also a commentary by Michael Mann and a couple of... Uh, a couple of features that were on the limited edition DVD from Anchor Bay in, from 2001. 
one's called the Manhunter Look, which is a conversation with Spinotti, and Inside Manhunter, which is a featurette from that DVD. So I'm really excited about Manhunter. I can't wait to get my hands on that one. Yeah, I had this so as a part that's uh, of the um, there was that uh, Hannibal Lecter collection, you know, Blu-ray set, but it's but I think it's pretty bare bones. So this this looks uh, looks looks amazing. It looks incredible. So that's it from the Screen Factory. I promise you that. <laughs> okay, move, <laughs> uh, moving right along. Oh, yes, Severin. They're going to be putting out a restored version of Burial Ground, a.k.a. The Knights of Terror. This is a 1981 Italian zombie movie. It's going to be a restoration of a 2K scan, and we don't have a release date yet or anything on the extras, but Severin says that that's coming very, very soon. Yeah, I had this on, um, I think 88 Films did a restoration of this, um, so I'm wondering if they're using 88 Films restoration. They probably are. So this is um, Italian collection number 14, and um, I, this this did have, who is the company that released it on DVD um, before? That was... That was Shriek Show. Shriek Show, because Shriek Show put out a Blu-ray, but it was like a barely of an upgrade from a DVD. It looked pretty bad. So, um, 88 Films restored it, and they, I believe they made a pretty big deal about doing it. They restored this and um, Zombie Holocaust. Um, maybe Zombie Holocaust was the one that 88 Films, uh, they, they did like the uh, uh, Indiegogo for and stuff. But yeah, they, they put out Barry Ground, so it, it's, it should look pretty good. And uh, so I'm this excited mo- to see this. This movie is all kinds of screwed up, so I can't wait for it. It's, it's a batshit film for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not spoil it for any, anybody, but no. y- y- just go and see it. If you haven't seen it, go and see it because it is just nuts. And as far as a uh, on the Blu-ray front, I've got two more to share with you, and they're both from Arrow. The first one I want to get to is a movie called Crimes of Passion. And this is starring Kathleen Turner and Anthony Perkins, the great Anthony Perkins. And this is directed by none other than Ken Russell, who, of course, directed movies like The Devils and the movie version of Tommy, as well as The Lair of the White Worm. He's, I mean, talk about about that shit crazy. I mean, Ken Russell, there you go. Uh, The extras for this one, we got a brand new 2K from the original film elements. We got subtitles for the deaf and hard and hard of hearing, a commentary with Ken Russell and producer and screenwriter Barry Sandler, seven deleted and extended scenes with optional commentary with Sandler, a brand new interview with Sandler, some home movie footage of Ken Russell visiting Florida for a, a retrospective screening of Crimes and Passion at the 2009 Orlando Film Festival. Hmm. We got a trailer, a reversible rap with art by Twins of Evil. And an illustrated booklet with writings by Ken Russell, biographer Paul Sutton, some correspondence between Russell and Kathleen Turner, and an on-set interview with Ken Russell. So that one's coming out on July 12th. Do you know how much money Arrow's taken out, taken out of my pockets the past uh, couple weeks? It's ridiculous. <coughs> Excuse me, judging from your Facebook. Um, yeah. <laughs> How's like that American like that American Horror Project? I can't imagine how much that thing cost. It uh, I I actually got a pretty good price on it. 
when it first came out. But that's the thing with the with uh, especially with Arrow's box sets and and their limited editions. Like you know, some sometimes like I what I try to do is I try to wait and find a good price. And on some of these movies, like for Screen Factory, for sure, I I don't really buy much right away anymore. Um, except for Night of the, uh, Return of the Living Dead, I'm going to for sure. Um, but there's certain things that I just kind of wait for the price to drop. Arrow, it's hard because they're doing these limited box sets like Brighter Reanimator, um, which is crazy that Brighter yeah. Reanimator got such a stellar packaging uh, on that film because that film is just a, a ridiculous little horror film. Um, but they're bigger yeah. box sets and things like that. Like you almost. You know, maybe they'll drop in price here and there, but you need to be smart about when you pick those up because once they're gone, they're gone, and, and these things will be super expensive um, down the line. You'll be kicking yourself. There's a couple that I've kicked myself for not getting. Um, so oh, yeah, it's, it's like, there's one I'm kicking myself for from last year. Uh, there's it's, definitely one I'm kicking myself for not picking up. Yeah, so Arrow's becoming one of those companies that you really – want to just start investing in like i kind of am starting to set aside money that i know i'm going to spend on aero stuff because they're like uh uh our listener um luis he tweeted at us today about how because he listened to our the first ever screamcast episode and what we were talking about because we wanted it to be like a scream factory podcast and and you know we were like saying oh scream factory is going to be like the criterion for horror films well it's like Arrow has come in and taken that over. Where Scream Factory releases things here and there that are okay, but are and are pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they still release a lot of IFC films, IFC Midnight stuff, and 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 it's just kind of off the wall things that I think that they know will sell well or might sell well. Arrow's keeping it niche, like pretty niche, and they're giving every single one of the releases like the same treatment, like. You know, Return of the Killer Tomatoes is going to have an amazing, you know, amazing extra as a packaging. The art for Crimes of Passion is just amazing. You know, um, yeah. is that like brighter reanimator? So it's like Arrow is becoming the one genre company that I that I don't mind paying as close to full price. You know, hopefully I can get a deal here and there, but um, like with their box sets, you know, the Battles Without Honor and Humanity, and then they got. Um, Oh gosh, what's what's the next one? Outlaw. Um, oh gosh, outlaw what? Outlaw gangster. <sighs> VIP. That's the one. I was trying to think of it myself. This week, um, you know, it gets pricey. It, it does get expensive. Collecting this stuff is not cheap. But uh, you know, find those labels that you want us that you have no problem spending money on, and drop drop your money on them, and everything else. You know, wait. But arrows become the the top one that's going to be getting uh, most of my money, gosh, the, here on out, it, it seems like. But, uh, you know, it's stressful. It's stressful collecting this stuff, spending this money. Especially yeah, when you, well, this is going to make your... Oh, sorry. This no, is going to make your... I, I was going to start like, more. you know, maybe I just need to go see a shrink because I'm going to start talking here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, the struggle is real, everyone. The struggle is real. Right. <laughs> It's about to get realer because uh, the other arrow, the other arrow release that that they're putting out is Mario Bava's classic Blood and Black Lace. That's and, a great film. Wow, this that, one is going to be packed. Yeah, it this, is. So, they released uh, the UK version. They were supposed to release them both at the same time last year, but they had 
another company had the U.S. rights, so they had to they had to make a deal. It looks like. So this is the same right. set that came out last year that I I bought the UK version because it's region A B. So anyway, oh well, you got lucky. This thing but is for stacked. everyone else like us. Yeah. And uh, plenty of names for me to butcher, so let's get right down <laughs> to this long-ass list of extras. We got a brand-new 2K restoration of the film from the original Cameron Negatives. It is going to be the uncut version, by the way. Uh, optional Italian and English soundtracks and original uncompressed mono. Some newly translated subtitles for the Italian auto, audio. Excuse me. Uh, optional English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing. Brand new commentary by biographer Tim Lucas. Psychoanalysis, a new documentary on blood and black lace and the origins of Giallo featuring interviews with Dario Argento, Lamberto Bava, screenwriter Ernesto Gastaldi, critics Roberto Curti and Steve Della Costa, and crime novelist Sandroni Dazieri and Carlo Lucerelli. An appreciation by... Helene Cate and Bruno Forzani, the duo behind Amer and the Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. Oh, this is going to be an interesting one. Yellow, the 2012 short film. It's the much acclaimed Neo Giallo by Ryan Hasem and John Britt. That's going to be exclusive to this box set. And uh, this was a short film that premiered at Film 4 Fright Fest back in August of 2012. And eventually made its way to the Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles in 2013, which is also the same. This was for uh, Beyond Fest that year. That's the same um, fest where Goblin played. Okay. Moving on. Uh, moving on. Gender and Giallo, a visual essay by Michael McKenzie exploring Giallo's relationship with social upheavals of the 60s and 70s. A panel discussion on Mario Bava featuring Argento, Lamberto. Steve De La Casa, and this was taken from the 2014 Core Mayor Film Festival. Next, the an episode of The Sinister Image. This is a TV show by David Del Valle. Hope I'm saying that right. And this episode is focused on the star of Blood and Black Lace, Cameron Mitchell. We've got alternate U.S. opening titles sourced from Joe Dante's private print and scanned in 2K for this release there's a trailer a reversible sleeve with new art from graham humphreys next we have a booklet with new writings from howard hughes no not that one this is the author of cinema italiano and mario bava destination of terror you also get interviews with joe dante david del valle on cameron mitchell and this is all illustrated with uh, archive stills and posters nice now set is now, this set is coming out on July 4th, but there's also – it's going to be a combo pack. It's going to be a Blu-ray and DVD, but there's also going to be a Steelbook Blu-ray, and that's going to be coming out on December 31st. Now, I'm getting this from Amazon because I went to the, uh, the Amazon page for Blood and Black Lace, and the Steelbook is, for some reason, is being pushed back to New Year's Eve. Hmm. So that is all of the juicy extras for Blood and Black Lace. Nice. Yeah, it's great. It was my favorite uh, release of last year when we went through. Was it last year or the year before? I mean, it, this thing had like was like delayed, but it's definitely worth buying. You should definitely, uh, if you're if you're, if you need to set aside something, you know, and you need, need to know what you should buy, like Blood and Black Lace is legit. It's really really good. 
I've been slowly but surely trying to make my way through Mario Bava movies, so yeah. this is one I'm definitely going to be picking up on the 4th of July. Uh, the last little bit, bit of news uh, doesn't concern with movies. This, you Remember uh, back in February we talked with, or at least you and Brad talked to uh, John Michael Thor. Yes. Well, um, his band Thor, their debut album, Keep the Dogs Away from 1977, is actually going to get this sweet three-disc super deluxe edition that's coming out from Deadline Records. It's um, The first disc is going to be the LP proper. Uh, the second disc is a bunch of rare bonus tracks. And the third disc is actually going to be a DVD of a 1980 concert. Oh, cool. Now, the vinyl version meticulously recreates the original pressing with the original cover art, fold-out poster, and there's going to be a printed inner sleeve. And uh, the CD is going to have some alternate artwork, but also liner notes by longtime fan, author and producer Brian Kehue. There goes another name. I just embarrassed <laughs> myself again. But yeah, this uh, this set is going to be coming out on May 13th. So if, if you're a fan of Thor, pick this one up. And that is all the news that I have. Boom. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, Josh. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. See you guys later. All right, uh, the first film we're going to talk about tonight is uh, tonight. <laughs> you guys are all waiting till the evening to listen to this, right? Uh, the first, <laughs> <laughs> the the first flick we're going to talk about is recently out on Screen Factory. It uh, with uh, paired up with IFC Midnight. They've been doing that partnership, and for me, that IFC Midnight kind of partnership has been kind of hit or miss. Like IFC flicks are either, you know, pretty cool or like just kind of meh. Um, this one we're going to talk about is, has been getting a lot of buzz and a lot of people have been talking about it online. I believe it's also available like most of the IFC midnights, uh, on Netflix. So you can check it out there, but we're going to be talking about the hollow, uh, directed by Corinne Hardy. Is it Corinne or Corin? It's an I Irish name. Corin because it is Irish. Corin Hardy, uh, from a story that he wrote, uh, with, Philippe Marino and Tom DeVille. And uh, so, yeah. He's supposed to be doing the remake of The Crow. Is he? I think, yeah, I think that's. I don't know if that actually has. Uh, I think something happened where he got kicked off recently, but hmm. he was scheduled to do that for a while. Um, I don't know how accurate that is. Yeah. Though. But, anyways. Well, I'd heard about this. I, I mean, I, I think this did kind of a festival circuit. You know, uh, yeah, and I seen favorite. some people talking about it, and I and I saw the poster, and but but like like most things, I kind of you know didn't really pay much attention to it until recently when it came out. More people started talking about it, and uh, so I got my hands on the Blu-ray. Uh, really weird, like with IFC stuff. Like I wanted to grab it from Best Buy, and they only had the DVD there. It's just so odd. Really, they have all the Blu-rays at mine. It's just so weird that they're still selling DVDs. Like somebody said, I'm going to stock the DVD Dude, rather than sell, the Blu-ray. Bro. That's just like crazy. We're, we're not like, I mean, a lot of people like Blu-rays, but do some people have just never updated. Yeah. So, I mean, I ain't like, I'm not going to jump into that 4k bullshit and kiss my ass. So I get it. I yeah. get it. So anyway, they're the also Hallow, um, basically, expensive, so, 
basically the, the very you know the, these the plot's not anything too crazy. It's based off of uh, Irish folklore. Uh, this guy who I think he's like a biologist or something like that is living in an old old cottage in Ireland. He's been there f- for a little while from uh, from the from England and uh, doing some things in the in the forest there. Uh, some of the locals are upset at him for disturbing the forest. Uh, his baby's there, his wife's there, and shit gets real. Is that pretty? Is that is that accurate description of the the plot? <laughs> you said yeah, it gets much. real, and I added boring at the end. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Um, and just to clarify, this is not the movie The Hollow that has recently been released. This All right. is The Hollow. So I know they're like they almost the covers look identical. Like to me, like Which you know I, they I gotta, did that on purpose. Like, yeah, yeah. Is that an asylum movie? Oh my god, <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> Which would be weird. Yeah, because like has, target, it has like, some kind of more of an independent feature that that like you know, asylums like scrape the bottom of the, bell, the barrel if they have to like try to find more independent horror to copycat. Mm-hmm. But no, anyway, it's lighthouse pictures and so on. But yeah, it like it almost looks like to me it like because it has that like fiery brim stuff, and that's and I know that the hollow is more or less like a like a scythe with like on fire. But um, yeah, it, it, it looks identical. Like yeah. well, the when you there's too many spooky trees in both of them. Yeah, the slipcover has a the creature on it. Yeah. Um. Which I was Is kind it of, even a creature? Like it doesn't even look like that. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the creatures. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird cover because I was because I, I remember seeing like pictures of the creatures and I was like, I don't think that does not look like what I saw. And then I watched the movie and I'm like, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'll, anyways, all before Brad starts just shitting all over the film. <clears throat> I'm not gonna. Sit. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give my reaction, and then uh, BJ will let you talk, and then we'll let Brad. Can we see talk. a yeah. live reaction? Did you record yourself? What? I don't know. I'm, I'm Is just... there a live? I want to see a live reaction when Sean watches a movie. Well, I I watched this. Uh, uh, this the. Sh- I'm starting to talk like Sean Connery. I watched this on my lunch break today. I watched wow. this on my lunch break today, and. I can only get an hour in of the film, and I was like, I was pretty tense for the for the entire hour that I that I watched the flick because uh, it has it's a sl- it's kind of a slow rat ratcheting up tension. Things are going down. I think maybe the baby that there's a baby there kind of uh, made me made me a little more tense, you know, because I didn't know where they're going to go with that. Um, but uh, but I I I I guess I really dug it. I don't know. I thought once you, there's a certain scene when you see a bunch of the creatures for the first time, and that scene was like awesome. It's really well done seeing seeing all them, and just got spooky as hell. But um, however, the last thirty minutes, as Brad warned me about, it kind I of didn't um, warn you. He did warn. I me. didn't warn you. I didn't yeah. warn you. He did this like sarcastic. Have fun with the hollow. I can tell yeah, your sarcastic it, tone through through your. Uh, I just I text. I'm alone on this. I guess. <laughs> but um, but no, I I really I like I it. loved a majority of the film. I, I love think, Irish horror too. So. I think the last 
the last 30 minutes, it does lose some steam because it focuses, it, it brings in the focus when there's this whole world out there that you're, you kind of have questions on. It narrows the focus down, I think, to, uh, and, and, and it doesn't kind of, you know, fall all the way through with some of the, the tension that it had given us the, the previous hour. But overall, I think it's a really well done film. I think the creature effects are amazing. Um, I, I had, like the fact that it did get me so tense, that gives it a lot of bonus points in my book, and I thought the acting was on point. And um, I'm interested in this in this world that they've created, and, and I would I would hope that uh, there would be more stories to tell in the Hallow. But but we'll see. But that was my thoughts on it. My initial thoughts, BJ. Uh... <laughs> I mean, that's the best way that I can describe it. Um, <laughs> and it is because of the last 30 minutes. Yeah. I, like, I, I, they had me. I was in. I really yeah, I do like I the too. Irish folklore. Um, I love anything to deal with, like, kind of the nature horror, because I think that it's not explored nearly enough, which is why I recommend Harvest Lake. Um, and then it just, oh, God, it's like... It's like getting an over-the-jeans rubbed down and never going any further. And you're like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Like, you're right there. Just just go for it, and then it doesn't happen. Um, I'll compare it to something for you in a second here, and you'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I th- and, and the sad part is I think the reason that so many people are getting so pumped about it and are so quick to – you know, promote it is because recently we really haven't had any like standout films yeah. that, you know, just kind of pop up on Netflix, which, you know, late, the, like, last people shift like this, like the last, the last, last shift. Oh, this is yeah, way better exactly. than last shift. No, this is the same people. No, no, this um, is way yeah, like better this, than last shift, man. This is, <laughs> I disagree, but, um, this is, <laughs> this is kind of that movie where, you know, everybody's just been perusing through Netflix for the last couple of weeks looking for something and nothing good is happening. And then a movie that's a bit better than mediocre uh, comes out and now everyone's like, oh, it's so good. You have to see it. And it's like, no, you just are desperate for something that isn't a movie you've seen a 100,000 times. So you think that this is really great. It's an OK film. It's not terrible. But the last 30 minutes are so disappointing that it almost negates the rest of the film. Yeah, it, it, um, it boils down to a woman being chased through the woods by Yeah, p- by pretty much. I will say it did not make me nearly as mad as the ending of Mockingbird. That was fucking <laughs> I unforgivable. I the ending of Mockingbird. I know you do, because you're <laughs> insane. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, this one, I, you know, I watched it, they had me, and then I was out, and I was like, All right, well, now I don't care, and I have, will never watch this again. Um, so that was, Damn that was, party, you hear that? <laughs> wow. I have, I, uh, watch it I again. have I no the first... chill. <laughs> I have no chill the last couple of days. I just, I don't, um, I'm stressed and moving. So I'm a little <laughs> bitter about a lot of things, but I mean, if you want to watch some like spooky tree stuff, watch the hollow. If you want to watch better spooky tree stuff, get really high and watch the happening. That's my two cents. <laughs> That is that is my encouragement. That go. is my uh, put that on your DVD cover, M Night. I got your back. <laughs> All right, Brad, what you think? 
Um, I was I was very much like you. I was on board for like the first forty five minutes to an hour, um, and then it just spirals into complete boredom for me. Um, and it wasn't even like it was like all oh, this is anything. It just got really it got dread it got dangerously boring. It was just like it felt very much. This is what I compare it to. It felt very much like your generic Spanish horror film. Where it's like, oh man, it's super scary. Guess what? The ghost just wants to hang out with you. That's it. Which is okay. So here's the thing. Which is super funny because all these people kept comparing it to Pan's Labyrinth, and I was like, you're all fucking high. Who is like, it? Has Whoa, all of the, okay. Google Google the Hollow Pan's Labyrinth, and you'll get at least four reviews where people are like, it's kind of like this mixed with Pan's Labyrinth, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. If Pan's Labyrinth was made by a nine year old, no. Yeah. It's just like, it, you know, stuff like, you know, the fragile and the orphanage where it's like, hey, it's or the others where it even has that like that mentality of like it tries to be. It, it is. It gets really tense and mm-hmm. scary. And then you find out the ghost is your mom and it's just trying to love you and everything's OK. And that's what yeah. it felt like it went to. It just was like, guess what? Family drama at the end. Hey, dad. Hey, mom. We're okay. We're just the yeah. hollow now, and it's like, what <laughs> yeah. the fuck are you talking about? Like, and that's a not a spoiler because that's not that's not what happens at all. No, that's that's not what happens. No. But it feels like that fucking right, I get shit. Like, and it's just like you know, I don't know. It it really had me because I thought it was creepy. I thought like you know when they're in the car and they they keep on hitting the lights and the yeah. brakes and like they get closer and closer. I was like, man, this is really fucking good. You know, it, it even had like this dog soldiers vibe where there's like a siege happening, yeah. you know, at the house. And I dug that. I dug when she's trying to chase the baby down because they, you know, they took it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but at one point it just it, like it hit me like a fucking truck. And it was like, wait a second. I'm getting really tired. Is this because I'm tired or is it just because of the movie? And then I realized it was just because of the movie. Like I was like, man, like why did this movie? It can it just slows down and takes a different route and doesn't it doesn't want to be scary anymore. It doesn't want to be right. original. It doesn't want to really focus on the horror aspect. It becomes kind of a drama, right? Um, and it, it becomes a different. And that's movie. not to say that and, that. But it's not to say that that sort of style doesn't work no. because it has worked in countless it other films. It just doesn't work but for this movie. It does not work in this. Yeah. I was, no, because yeah, there's yeah. no there's no exposition with the like the family, and that's I think the biggest part is because we're kind of thrown into this relationship where you know right off the bat they're at a spooky place. You know, they like each other, of course. Um, there's a break in, they get scared, and then it's on the run. We actually don't have any family drama or, you know, emotional attachment to these people. We're just we're just with them because we have to be. We don't wanna be with them. That's what you know, you don't give enough exposition of, of this family in order for the story to work. Because that's the whole point sometimes in horror films is that, you know, we have slashers, we have demons, we have all that shit. We wanna see people die. Great, that's fine. But whenever you don't have that and you want to make kind of, um, you know, even a drama, you want to make 
the characters likable. That's what works for Poltergeist. Even though I'm not that big of a fan of Poltergeist, we attach ourselves to the family. So whatever's happening to the family is happening to us. And that's what this movie never achieves is I don't give a fuck what happens to this family. And nor am I – like I'm just scared of the monsters because of how they move, how they look. Focus on that the whole time. But when you throw a family drama at 30 minutes before it ends, I don't give a shit anymore. And that's yeah. what it does. I had, the same, I had the same problem with – I can't remember if I talked about it the last time I was on or if I wrote it down. But I watched In Their Skin, which is another like – family like it's a horror movie that quickly turns into a family drama and there's like this giant reveal at the end and like it's supposed to be this big moving moment and i'm like but i don't care about your family i don't know <sighs> why why do people do that like why are you gonna switch it into the serious drama is, is it because you don't have the ending or because like you're trying to do some big deep and important meeting or meaning to the film and if that's what you're going to do then you have to set up that that reveal you can't just drop it in and expect us to give a shit and i think i don't i don't know if this movie just didn't know how it was gonna end and get out of it yeah but the hollow just the ending was quite hollow sorry i'm done i'm done it's your peter travers uh quote yeah that's exactly what it's like um, um well, but yeah, I, was, I, I got I got nothing else, man. Well, I was thinking like if it's all you, Sean. Well, <laughs> if they would have delved into kind of how, like you know, like the movie The Descent, like that movie is tense pretty much once shit starts going down within the first you know fifteen minutes, and it's tense all the way through, and then. It's almost like uh, being. But we also like the characters in the descent. Well, yeah, but but yeah, but but what the descent does that this movie doesn't do is it it keeps you keep descending into this into a hell into it gets gets worse and worse and worse and when you finally are confronted with the the creatures it's pretty you know it is still pretty tense and disgusting and you know it, it all works like it's just the worst possible scenario. Um, that this this character these characters can be in, and how are they, how the hell are they going to get out of it? Basically, and that's what the Hallow doesn't do. It kind of gets you to that point of oh shit, what's going to happen, and then takes a right turn where where it's it's almost like they went the safe route with the ending. If you know what I mean, and I don't want to give anything. It feels away. like it feels like it you're feels playing really a video safe. game and you're never getting to the boss fight. That's yeah. what it feels like. Yes. It's yeah. like, which is how I feel. Like it's like Sucker Punch. Which I, Brad, I feel like you really like that movie. Are you my friend who really, really likes that movie? I really like Sucker Punch. I like Sucker Punch. Okay, too. yeah, you're you're my friend who really likes Sucker Punch. <laughs> but like, I have that same <laughs> I have that same feeling about that. Is that it feels like there should be this big thing, and that I'm not getting it. Mm-hmm. My princess is in another castle, and I'm pissed off. Yeah. So. Yeah. But see, but that it didn't. It kind of it didn't kill it for me because I loved so much up to that point. It just kind of knocked it down a few pegs as far as my overall enjoyment of the film. And it's like I want to, you know, I like the the creature. I mean, I'm a I love creature features, so I'm, you know, I thought there was enough there for me to really dig into and love. And and I, I would definitely interested in anything that Corin Hardy does in the future, you know. Um, but I, but I hope that he would, if he's going to do kind of 
folklore and, and fairy tale kind of horror. Like, there's deeper things to these folklores that he didn't really examine. I I think enough, or he felt like maybe he didn't want to overexplain, or, or I don't know. But it's almost like you're given a cliff notes on these uh, on this folklore, and they just kind of go with it. You don't really, I don't know, understand. I guess. I I like kind of that stance on telling a story like that because there's there's a movie that I really like called The Shrine where uh, a bunch of I also uh, really like The Shrine. I need to watch that. But you know how basically The Shrine's set up as they go to a foreign country and they don't speak the language. Mm-hmm. They like the you know the um uh you know, the Americans speak English. And, you know, the the natives speak their native language, but there's no subtitles in the movie. So we don't know what they're actually saying because we're in that we're in the spot of the Americans. We are confused just like they are. And there's this whole broad story apparently to the shrine, but you don't get any of it. You just get kind of what's happening during all the shit that's going down. I don't think it's the point of not like expanding more on the folklore. I think it's just all in storytelling. I think that he, if he wanted to make a family drama towards the end and kind of make it, you know, not relentless horror, Mm -hmm. he should have started that in the beginning rather than turning that, you know, turning the horror off midway or, you know, almost close to 20 minutes left of the movie. Yeah. Like, it just, I don't know. I, I think, I'm not saying it's a mistake. I'm just saying, I think with some of the people I've spoken to, they kind of feel the same way. Like, the movie takes a turn. Um, and I, it's not, I don't consider The Hollow a bad movie. It's just not a movie for me because I don't like that jarring feeling of like I'm watching something different all of a sudden. Um, you know, I, is, I, I don't. It is so tense. Like for me, it's so damn tense. I thought I, I, it's it tense, really yeah, happened. but I, it's just like after my watch is going on. Um, after after finishing the movie, like I didn't, I didn't even remember how tense I was because I my my mind was just like like my brain was just like nope. And then I completely forgot about how tense actually the movie was because I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. Um, and to like, I not too many times a movie I can enjoy for that long of a period of time and then walk out thinking, man, I really didn't like that. It doesn't happen to me very often. Like I'm usually sucked in right, in, you know, right then and there from the beginning and hooked the entire time. Or I'm just like, meh, whatever. It's a movie. And I was sucked in through most of the time, and it completely like turned me off. I, like I said, it's mostly just me because it's just how I feel about watching a movie. So it's it's particulars with me mm-hmm. rather than kind of just it's not bad filmmaking. It's a beautiful movie. It looks great. The special effects are great. Um, set design is amazing. Creature effects, like everything, is top notch in the movie. Uh, acting is great as well. Uh, you know, like I said, the script's fine. I just don't like the sudden turn. Yeah. So it's a it's a missed opportunity for sure, especially with those with those creatures. They're very cool creatures, and it's it, it is kind of a missed opportunity for kind of a grand 
you know, like you said, like just a descent into terror. Like it, 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 sh- it should, cause that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, this thing's tense, man. This, like the last part of this film is going to be crazy, you know, and it never, it never delivers. So I, I see that. I think he's a gifted filmmaker. I think, uh, he needs to, to follow through, you know, a little, a little better on, on the next thing, but I'm definitely interested in what he has to do cause, cause you know the artistic direction of, of the film and, and everything else is really well done. The sound design's really great because I was I was home alone and I had it cranked. And there's see, you know certain scenes with where it's dead quiet and you hear like a, a stick break in the background. It's it's done really well. But um, but yeah, you know, I dig. I want to dig into the special features on on the Blu-ray. There's a, a almost an hour long making of, so I kind of want to see what he was thinking and and, and certain things and. And uh, so normally, if a movie kind of just if I if I'm kind of shrug my shoulders, I don't want to watch anything else. But I'm at least inter- interested to see, you know, what makes this director tick, and and I want to see the creation of, of the of the creatures because I, I thought, think it's a good first effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to see what else he's got up his sleeve. Yeah, I think so. he needs to be brave enough to go, you know, not to play it safe because this movie could have got dark. And and it didn't go as dark as it make it really could have, you know, gone because it gone wants places. to be a family drama, Sean. I know, I know. Deep down, it wants to be a family drama. Well, and it doesn't it doesn't show that in the very beginning. Yeah, that's all I got. I'm done. I all don't right. like. The, I don't want to talk about the hollow anymore. We're good. I don't <laughs> want to talk about. It. <laughs> So it's it's on Netflix. Check it out if you want, uh, or get the Blu-ray if it's cheap, um, or just uh, or rent it. it. This would be a, a I, would, I would be at least give pay it, money for it. I would give it an enthusiastic rental or an enthusiastic check it out on Netflix uh, at some point. Hey, pretty much everybody likes it, so I, I think a few of us are in the minority on this. Well, one, I, so. I like it. I just see there's some flaws, but I still like it. I think I I definitely will watch this again. Um, I don't even know if it's called. I don't. I wouldn't even say the word because that's the thing is I don't want to trash the movie at all. I wouldn't even say flaws. I just think it's just not for me. Hmm. Like I don't know if it's a, uh, there's any flaws in the movie. I don't think it's poor storytelling. I just think it's no. just one of those things that it just doesn't catch on for me because I think it misses think, some potential, and that's that was. But my I, I think it's because of what I've watched and how I grew up, and all the movies that I watch. I feel that to me, that is was a poor choice, not for the filmmaker and the movie. So you know what I'm saying? Right. I think it's more personal with me rather than hey, I don't think he did this correctly. Yeah. Well, no, we're all on the same page though. I think we all respect the film enough, and I and I and I really liked it. Like I'm not, I'm. I really liked it. I just I think it could have been, you know, I'm hovering around six out of ten, seven out of ten. It could have been an eight out of ten, nine out of ten, you know. But there's a couple of things that knocked it down a couple of pegs. But it's still definitely for me it, worth checking I out. Gave it a one on Letterboxd. Who gave it a one? I think I gave it a one on Letterboxd. <laughs> You're a jackass. Hey, that's mean. That's not mean. It's truthful. Hey, if, if, if that's your gut reaction, man, let me, that's, let me that's see. All good. Let me see. Let me let me see what I got. Let me see what I got. All right, I gave Move. holidays a one. <laughs> I gave it a two. There you, you go. A two. Wow, that's pretty good. I, I think gave it's it a higher two. than a two. I would say a solid three. Two out of five. I'd say a solid three out of five. Three. Yeah, three out of five. You gotta you gotta watch how you rate movies, man. Because 
I give as above, so below three and a half. Yeah. You know, I give Star Wars Force Awakens a four. That's high. Star Wars for, high Force for Awakens me. gets a 5.5 5 out of five. I'm just kidding. All right, <laughs> moving along. Let's jump into uh, what, do we, what, do we, what do we normally do first? We haven't done this. We didn't do this last week. Do we do stream screams first? It doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. We, I, I want to close out with uh, our VHS one. So let's let's jump into stream screams. Nate, wake up! There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me. Scream. Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. All right. Today we are talking a very underrated sequel. We're talking Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Did I get the name? Did I get the title right this time, Brad? Yeah, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. <laughs> Mm. BJ, you still there? Oh, you... I muted myself somehow with my ear. My bad. <laughs> I've been here this whole time You're quiet for a little bit. Apparently, apparently you haven't been able to hear, so good job for me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you're just uh, yeah. being total dicks and not paying attention to you? Awesome. I, a little bit. I was like, wow, they're just talking... Okay, okay, I'm just going to let that happen. <laughs> nope, I was muted this whole time. Technology. That's amazing. Did, was there anything else you wanted to say about the Hallow? Hell no. Okay, all right. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> oh, um, man. I'm actually uh, really excited to talk about Book of Shadows. Book of Shadows, Blair um, Witch 2. I saw this thing in the theater. So did and, I, son. Did you? Yeah, I, was, I did not. I was on tour. I was, a child. I was on tour with the band. And we all wanted to go check out a movie. It almost seems this year. Was this the same year as the Matrix sequels? Uh, yeah, 99, 98, 99. So yeah, yeah. I think it was because there was like I there, there was a bunch of movies that we were all like, when you're when we're touring like. I think the, the Matrix came out. His Matrix sequels didn't come out until years later. Blair Witch Two came out in two thousand. Two thousand. Because Blair Witch One came out in ninety nine. Matrix. Oh yeah, so Matrix, Matrix sequel came like, okay. like 2002, 2003. <clears throat> All right, so it wasn't the same year, but the, I, I, there's a few distinct times that in walking out of theaters with the guys that I was on tour with, they're all shaking their heads, and this was one like they all hated, like they <laughs> were like, I, you know, walked out of Blair Witch Two, and they were just like, I can't believe we watched that. We, you know, we wasted our 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 one day off to see this movie, but um, but I kind of I kind of liked it. And I I was aware that it was getting bad reviews and, and people were hating on it, but I, I think there was enough to it that I liked, you know, th- that I dug it for what it was. It's kind of almost like a standalone sequel. Yeah. Like it, this could be no, a standalone I... film, and it is totally fine. It doesn't re- rely on on the first movie. The first movie is definitely a part of. Of of the world, but it's definitely you don't have to have didn't, didn't have to have seen the first one. I, I don't believe. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I have a love hate relationship with this movie <laughs> because you need to you need to keep in mind when Blair Witch One came out, I was nine. 
And I also had parents that let me watch whatever the hell I wanted. So when mom and dad give you a VHS tape without a box cover and say, hey, you got to check this out. This is a real thing that happened. And you're nine. You believe that the Blair Witch is a real fucking thing. I was the creepiest fourth grader in the whole world after I saw the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> I was obsessed with it. I was convinced that it was real. Um, I wanted to go to New England and go find it. Like, I went crazy about it. I got in trouble in school because I kept drawing the stupid stick figure thing on my homework yes. and on my friend's homework just to mess with them because I was a creepy fucking nine-year-old. And that's what I did. So... I got really, really, really into the Blair Witch Project. So when I, you know, obviously wised up and realized, okay, it's a movie, this isn't real. My parents are just expert level long controls. Um, I was like, all right, you know, they got me. That's that's really smart. And that's actually one of the films that kind of started to make me interested in how film can affect society and affect you as a person. That was definitely a big eye opener for me. So I was 10 when Book of Shadows came out, and I was probably about 11 when it finally came out on, like, VHS or whatever, when I could rent it. And I was so excited. I was like, this is going to be everything that I want. And then I watched it, and I was like, this movie sucks. I hate it. This is nothing like the <laughs> one before. It, like, killed everything for me. And then it didn't help that I was, like, just at the peak, like, the like – the, the beginning cusp, I should say, of what would become my, like, goth phase. So I watched it with my friends, and they kept, like, poking fun at me and saying that, like, the goth chick in it, who's like, Wiccans, it's not about evil, it's about nature. They're like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's you. That's going to be you. And I was so mad. I was like, no, she fucking sucks. Like, that's not who I am. So I was like, fuck this movie. This movie's dead to me. I'm never watching it again, ever. Fuck it. And then I got older, and I saw it was on um, Badass Digest or Birth Movies Death. There was, like, six different articles within, like, a, I don't know, like, a year span of all of their writers defending Book of Shadows. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I think maybe they're all just trying to be, like, the cool kids who like something everybody else hates, but... I was like, you know what? Years have passed. I'm an adult now. I see film in an entirely different way. I'm not a creepy nine-year-old anymore. I'm going to watch Book of Shadows. So I watched it, and I fucking love it. I think that it's so misunderstood and so underappreciated. It is, like, the perfect response to all of the shitty horror that was going on in the early 2000s and the late 90s. It is, like, kind of a, a kind of mocks that weird genre of the I know you did last summer type things like it parodies all of that while still kind of keeping some of the mystery and the intrigue to the Blair Witch mythos. And they didn't just directly go, Hey, here's another, you know, found footage piece of shit from some other kids who also got lost <laughs> in the woods. Like they were like, we can't do this again. We're going to do something different. And that is so ballsy and so punk rock and I love Book of Shadows. That's my rant. Rad. Agreed. Did I, 
You were also that? a creepy nine-year-old in 1999. Is that what you're saying? You agree with? <laughs> oh no, I was uh, I was a creepy 15-year-old uh, in 1999. Was it? Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Two, what 2000? Right? Was it 2000? 2000. So yeah, I mean, what it came out probably came out you know, because I wrote an article in October of last year. About the 15th anniversary. So, yeah, I was 15 when I – or 16 when I saw the movie. And I, I saw it in theaters because I was really pumped because I was always a big fan of Blair Witch. Um, so I was really excited. Um, watching it the first time, I guess I was a little let down because I was expecting a sequel to Blair Witch. Uh, I was one of those as like, let's do this again. Um, <clears throat> and I know that's uh, kind of what – I think a few things hurt the movie. Number one, I think there was a – you know, with just the first film alone, uh, the, if anybody doesn't know, if we have a lot of younger listeners, the very first thing that happened with Blair Witch, it was promoted as a real thing. Um, Which is why I was, 100% believed it, that it was real. Yeah. Like, there was a there was a weird website for it that you could go to to watch clips. Um, MTV was promoting at the time, saying, you know, this footage showed up, the cops were involved. You know, Burkittsville was a real thing. Um, what is happening in the background? Is someone opening – is someone cleaning out their cupboards? No. Is it Sean? Sean Sean's doing it. No. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, I think with, with all of that going on and then it's like, you know – the week of it premiere, it's like, oh, it's fake. Heather Donahue's in a commercial for Steak and Shake, so she didn't die. That's legit, by the way. She was in a commercial for Steak and Shake, you know. And <laughs> you know the, the the casting release, you know the names, and you know you could find out that they did a couple movies beforehand. They did commercials. And you're like, oh, what the fuck? And so ha- during this release of the first week, half of the people thought it was real. Half half of the people knew it was fake. Shit, people still think paranormal activity is real when you're in the theater. I watched the at the premiere, and the woman's like, "That really happened? Oh my god!" Um, <laughs> and it's like, "Come on, people. oh god!" But anyways, so with the fact that it was a hoax, people enjoy the movie for watching it. But there was also this huge eye roll that people were, were kind of cheated. So when they first announced the sequel, everybody's going to roll their eyes because it's going to be like, "Oh, they're at it again." These people are going to make the same exact movie. We're not falling for it. So it already had this thing going for it where it was going to suck. And right off the bat, the movie got the unfair treatment and then it was released. And I think with kind of the Gothic thing that was going for, I think that turned a lot of people off as well. And I just think people and the people that wanted to see it were expecting Blair Witch 2. And the same thing, the found footage, and the kids are going to disappear, and witches are going to show up, and that's not what it was at all. You know, Blair. If anybody doesn't know, Blair Witch Two is a standalone movie because they acknowledge that the first movie was a hoax. Mm-hmm. They acknowledge the first movie exists, and they're out there because Burkittsville is a real thing, and uh, in the witches' story actually does exist out there. It's that's not a fake thing. That really does exist. Um, and so they were going and like all these people going to Burgessville after the movie, let's go and, and find out. And, you know, our, our characters in this film, you know, go a completely different route than the first film. And I think that's 
way like so unique, uh, especially for this, you know, 2000, you know, the night or late nineties and early two thousands for horror was shit. Like BJ said, a lot of fucking bullshit. Oh, it's terrible. And, and Blair Witch 2 did something so unique that not even – it's clever is what it is. And it got unfair treatment because it wasn't a copycat, and they were also – and it got unfair treatment because they were doing something new. Like it was it was a lose-lose for this movie. If they would have called it anything else, they probably would have got more people to the theater and they would have enjoyed it. But I, I just think it was the wrong time. For this movie to come out, I think if it came out years later, like now, I think it would be more successful. But I just think at this point in time, they they, they rushed it in order to get it out because they're trying to play off the success of the first one. But I think also audience were just tired of hearing about it. So I, I just really think it's a film that got unfair treatment. I think a lot of people that say that it still sucks watched it during that initial release and never revisited it. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of those is like, oh, that movie sucks. I can't believe they're talking about it on the screencast. Find out the last time you watched it, and then you need to rewatch it. Because I guarantee you it's probably been 15 years. Or, you know, you yep. saw it as VHS release, and you you, and you, you were just like most of, the, most of the people were like, ah, I didn't like it, or that wasn't for me. But go in watching the movie. Just don't even watch Blair Witch. Just watch Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. And I'm pretty sure that you'll have a different uh, outlook on the film because I truly think it's a unique movie that, um, you know, it's not a fucking amazing or anything, but it's it's clever. It's unique. It has some scary moments. Uh, kind of disregard uh, the new metal soundtrack that it has. <laughs> it does open up with Marilyn Manson, which was always a plus. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, that's it's, just a it's product kinda, of its time. They all yeah, it's it's it just has yeah, it has a really goofy soundtrack, but um, I I think I think it's a I think it's a good movie and, and I think it's a well a, a well done sequel and I think it really does deserve some more credit. So you know you can Sean will hopefully post my article that I wrote about it last year for its 15th yeah. anniversary um, because I, this movie's always been i wouldn't say special but it's always kind of stuck with me like i think about it frequently because i think about you know how clever sequels are done you know we love sequels we we love seeing our you know our horror icon show back up we get excited sometimes when sequels are announced and i think this is something that it is a sequel, but also it really wanted to make it an impact of what it wanted. It just, I think it was the wrong time for, for everything for this movie. But give it another shot. It's on HDX on uh, Vudu, so you get to see it in HD rather than its shitty DVD release because yep. it's super pixelated. Um, but anyways, go go watch it. It's also available on I think Amazon Prime. You can stream it there. Pretty much any streaming service you can probably find it. It was on Netflix for a while, but uh, not anymore. Uh, I'd like to see this in HD because last time I watched it, it was all pixely in Netflix. It's a standard yeah. definition. So yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it, it's good because it's it, there's a lot of black in the movie, you know, obviously. But um, you know, it's it's nice to see kind of an HD version. I mean, it's not amazing or anything, but it's definitely better than a fucking DVD of this thing. Yeah. 
Because this is also this came out the times that DVDs kind of sucked as well. Like this is this is a terrible. Yeah. Like I would say ninety eight to like two thousand three was really really terrible for movies, especially direct to video movies. Um, and I think this is one thing that got shoved to kind of a direct video aspect because it hit theaters. It didn't last very long and then disappeared and was stuck on the shelf. And I think people were also, because they also really promoted that documentary about Blair, Witch, so you always had that on the shelf as well. And I think that kind of confused people. Do you remember like the sticks and stones documentary? I, yeah, I do. Like the, it was widely released. Like I, I remember going to Blockbuster and they had like ten copies of Blair Witch and then five copies of that. <laughs> and I think I, I don't know. I think people were just burnt out on the whole Blair Witch thing. Yeah. Oh man, that Blair Witch soundtrack. We got Nickelback, Elastica, Ugh. P.O.D., oh, Godhead. Oh no. Oh, I mean, no. you do have you, you do have some good things. You have. You know, you have Rob Zombie on there, you have System of a Down, you have Marilyn Manson, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, yeah, I have, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, which is, a, they they play uh, Feel Good Hit of the Summer, which is great. And, um, you know, at the drive-in. Yeah. You know, it was on there, too. At There's the a band called Project bad. 86 that's pretty badass, actually. They were a Christian band. Oh, but That song, uh, P.S., was He wouldn't know that. Awesome. Well, that's the thing. I was on tour with these bands, and they had looked. They, you know, we knew the guys in Project Eighty Six and and POD, and we were like, they're on a they're on a, a soundtrack for a horror movie. So we all wanted to go and see how it was used in the film, and I don't think they were using the film at all. <laughs> in I was looking at my article, I put because I added the soundtrack at the bottom. I put uh, number ten was old enough by Nickelback before they became Nickel Derp. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I put that. I think I listened to the soundtrack and didn't realize it was Nickelback because they did. They changed their sound completely. Oh, did they? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't. I, I think if you, I think if you listen to it, it doesn't sound like Nickelback at all. They stopped using the. But, they started using the same structure for every single song after that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's sound. Let's sound. Let Let's appeal to the people that work at Walmart. <laughs> you take that out. That's, that's, that's mean. I'm um, not taking it but out. Anyways. Nickel, nickel dirt. I think was fucking hilarious. I don't know what made me say that, but that's funny. I forgot all about that. Nickel dirt. Nickel dirt. All right, oh. moving along to this next one here. Time for some uh, VHS. Oh my god. Nikki. Well, here we are at last. Right where we ought to be. Video. Oh my god. Today we're talking about the 1986 film Spookies, which had a limited theatrical run back in 87 and 88, and but it didn't really get uh, a, a following until it hit home video uh, around in 1988. Was on VHS. Fuck ton of money on VHS. Yeah, this I I remember like all of that cover art. The cover art. Yeah, that cover art's amazing. Incredible. That cover art is an instant rent. Totally. Yep. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I've been wanting to see it for uh, for years. I never watched it. This is my first time watching this film. Really? Yeah. I have, and, it, on v- uh, I have it on VHS in my house, yo. 
And uh, this Same thing here. was uh, bad shit insane. Like it, it, it feels be. like it's a few different movies kind of strung together a little bit. It's two different movies. It's two different movies. Because first you yeah, got this, they, you got this uh, homeless 13-year-old, this little runaway. Then it moves like... Yeah, it's because his parents forgot his birthday. Edwin run away too. Yeah, fuck those parents. Uh, and then there's like a car full of partiers, and then there's like a car full of like... Then the other car following them is like this guy who doesn't seem like he'd be hanging out with these kind of rock and roller partiers. It's the chaperone. Is it, is it the chaperone? <laughs> Well, here's the thing: is let's let's start with a little story. Go ahead, spookies. please, Brad. Please. So I've been a fan of Spookies since I was little, and I I like it just because it's fucking crazy and it's got a bunch of cool monsters. It wasn't until years later I found out the story behind Spookies of how fucked up it is, <laughs> and the reason why the movie is just a complete fucking mess is that um, originally there were two best friends that got um, – I forget the names. But anyways, they're credited, in, uh, they're credited on, I think, the credits for directing. There's three directors of the movie. However, two directors is one movie, and another director is another movie. Um, so these two buddies, they got some financing from this uh, producer, Michael Lee, I think is on the movie. Well, Michael Lee wanted to make a horror film. He just wanted a movie where monsters, you know, just a monster movie. So he hired these guys. They were looking to finance one of their other movies. So they hired them to do, like, special effects, make a movie. So they did this whole drawn-out process making this movie, and so much crazy shit happened on set. Like, one of the cinematographers kid died like during during the uh shooting not like died in the movie but it was like a baby upstairs like the baby like choked to death or something um just like all these things that could go wrong went wrong on set so they completed most of the movie it wasn't completely done and when they did a rough cut um they had i guess some uh foreign financiers so they did a rough cut just to show what they had and the movie was over two hours and everybody kind of everybody kind of had a fit and they were like no it's just a rough cut we're gonna cut it down so all this like just all this like shit went down and the producers got really upset with the filmmakers the filmmakers got upset because they were trying to take away their vision they wanted to make a monster movie and they were trying to make them understand that they're not done yet they still have more to shoot and edit well anyways this whole thing blew up producers kicked the directors off the movie gave it to some uh gave it to this lady who is credited as uh, Jeannie Joseph, but she, it was it was it was a lady. She was an editor over at Troma, and they gave the movie to her to edit down. Well, she edited the movie together, and she had about half a movie, um, and she thought that was all that could be used. Um, so then the producers got together, and they're like, "Okay, we'll make the rest of it." So she got a crew together with a different cast, different crew, and made another forty-five minutes or an hour of this movie. <laughs> and then she edited that together with the 40 minutes that already 45 minutes that existed, put that 45, her 45 minutes together, put their 45 minutes together and boom, you have spookies. Wow. And that's how spookies was born. Holy shit. It said it's, it's two different movies with two different crews and two different sets of actors. And that is it's insanity. interwoven. 
into this insane fucking monster movie that has just scene after scene, and you don't know what the fuck's happening half the time. <laughs> no. <laughs> and like it's just it's just an odd it's just an odd movie. And you know that was a you know she wasn't a, a director at that point. Like she didn't direct anything. She was an editor, uh, and I think she edited edited a lot for Troma. I'm not a hundred percent sure of her past. Um, but she just made the rest of this movie because this is what the producer wanted. And the producer had, um, and the reason why kind of all this blew up is that the filmmakers before him, um, he would just have all these crazy ideas to put in the movie. And I think there's actually an article written on the whole subject, but I remember reading that he just brought a gorilla suit to the set one day, and he was like, here you go. Here's your gorilla for the movie. And the directors were like, there's no gorilla in the movie. What, how are we going to fit a gorilla in the movie? And he's like, well, you know, I want the gorilla in the movie. <laughs> and it was like one of those things. And it's very much similar to the story that <laughs> Kevin Smith tells in uh, A Night with Kevin Smith where he's talking to the colleges where he wrote a script for Superman and John Peters, the producer, was like, hey, I want Spider-Man to fight a giant spider. And Kevin Smith is like, there's no spiders in Superman. What are you talking about? He's like, well, I want him to fight a spider. And so there, you know, Kevin Smith got kicked off the project. Then years later, John Peters made a movie called Wild Wild West and his giant spider was in that movie. Um, <laughs> it's very so similar funny. to that. Where you know the producer wanted all these, all these things, and that's where the farting of the muckmen yeah, come in when they're oh battling. I haven't oh, known him about so farting muckmen. <laughs> and when they're moving, it was his idea because he wanted to make a squishy farting sound, <laughs> and he thought it was a good idea. And then the director, I think at that point it was uh, Jeannie Joseph, uh, and she was like, she put it in to appease him. But then he ended up really liking it. Wow. And and then she was like, well, no, we need to really take this out. But he really wanted in and stuck with the movie. And every during all the screenings, people were laughing. And he, I guess he was getting upset because he thought it was scary. And the scene's supposed to be scary. <laughs> if you actually take out the farting, it is kind of a more the intense and, and the farting is like so overdone. It's almost like yeah. they're like, let's just put this in a lot so he'll realize that it sucks. And it's like – yeah, and it, it stuck. So, <laughs> I mean, the ultimately the producer of the movie he ruined it um, because he just he gave artistic freedom to an extent, but also he, as you know, a lot of producers are on set and they make sure the flow's going well, and they do have creative input. They they kind of know what's. But this was a guy that had a lot of money who wanted to make a horror film. And sadly enough, in that sense, it's not very someone that's knowledgeable that knows anything about movies. It was just a guy thinking, hey, this is what I want to see. And it just didn't work. And, um, you know, there is a rumor that there are two completed movies uh, done, but I don't know if that's true. Um, the the prints are long lost. Uh, I think Lionsgate ultimately holds the rights to Spooky um, or Spookies, but it just never it, it just never saw the light of day. I think there's like a bootleg DVD um, that came out, but other than that, I mean the movie's fucking lost at this huh. point. Just because after it was done, no one no one wanted them to no one wanted to see anything. Like everybody was ashamed of the movie that, you know, the directors were, uh, I think 
they wanted their name off the movie because they made a movie called Twisted Souls. That was the original name of the movie. And then, you know, their vision was ruined because most of their footage was cut. And then all this new stuff was put in. And then she was she felt bad because she didn't want to tread on anybody's, you know, work. But then she's getting an opportunity to make a feature film in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just it's it was just a mess from the start. And um, I just way too many hands were in the pot of making this movie that made it just created a fucking disaster. And in the movie, and you can watch it, and you're like, man, this movie makes no sense. It's, it's fun. A, it's a because, beautiful disaster. Yeah, I mean, it's got wonderful creature effects. It's it's got some likable characters. It got some you know fucking stupid ass characters that you want to see die. The the guy with um, the freaking puppet. Yeah, like it, it's a it's a fun movie to watch with your friends. Yeah, but. You know, it, it's it is it's a complete disaster, and it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a car wreck that you can't turn away from. You just yeah. keep watching. You're like, man, what the fuck is actually happening? It's like Night Train to Terror, because Night Train to Terror yes. is three different movies cut yeah. into one, and none of it actually makes sense. It's just like, hey, we have one finished film and two uncompleted films. What do we do? Well, make an anthology. Well, how do we do that? I don't know. Put God on the train with a devil and they'll tell stories. <laughs> It's like that's a really good idea. Let's do that. So you know, it, it's it's just this super weird, you know, movie just that goes in every direction. You don't know who's who half the time. You don't know what the motivations are. You're just in it to see some fucking cool monsters, you know, see some pretty ladies run around, and you know, some people die. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And Spookies is one of a kind, and sadly, it's one of those movies that needs something to happen because it will die yeah all the prints are gone the it, tapes run incredibly high yeah um and, it, and all it is is just youtube and then that, that has it at this point yep this is one of those that like it's such a great story you know about the making of it it it, it would be amazing if if someone could get together Dude, everyone involved in, in an interview them. i've you know wanted to do like originally a few years ago when i found out a few things about the movie i literally thought about trying to get a documentary started for this because i think this would be oh, a God. hell of a fucking doc and then make that a companion piece to best worst movie oh. <sighs> that would be but, amazing yeah, i mean i think i think it would truly be a great fucking documentary um but i don't think a lot of people want to talk about it yeah, that's the sad part because I think everybody's kind of ashamed of it, and you know it would be hard to show clips of the movie because of the rights issues. I don't think I think um, the producer I think his name's Michael Lee. I want to say um, I'm not a hundred percent. Oh, I have the tape right here. I don't know if his name's on it. Um, his name's not even on here. It's weird because they credit all the producers as the the uh, writers and directors. Um, well, anyways, he might go by something else actually, but um, he uh, I think he ultimately owned the rights and he just disappeared. Huh. So, but anyways, it uh, it's a sad story because you know it, it's is one of those movies that can be really 
really promoted because of the hard work and special effects behind right. it. Because it's got some really cool fucking monsters. And man. it's pretty pretty fun little soundtrack, too. Which yeah, was just yeah, released it's, on it's vinyl. Good. By the way. Really? Yeah. Shit. That's badass. What? Yeah, the spooky soundtrack <laughs> was just released on vinyl. Did Death, Death Waltz do it? Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember. I, 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 somebody did it. Hold on, let me see. Cause it just, I mean, it just came out. But I mean, dude, everything from that spider-looking fucking thing, that, that alien head, to the witch, to that little green ghoulie-looking thing, to the reaper with the scythe, like all of that, like all the, the, that fucking thing that has that tongue that like electrocutes people <laughs> and then melts your face, like all that shit's so fucking cool, man. Terror and it Vision really is uh, released it. Terrorvision. What is it? Yep, sorry. Chair Vision put it out on vinyl. That's so badass. It's like it's such a strange. Like, for the most part, most people only know about Spookies either because they rented it when they were a kid because it's not exactly something that you track down, but the fact that they released the soundtrack on vinyl is fucking hilarious. And to me. cassette tape. Brilliant. <laughs> It's a kitchen sink well, movie, and is... I. No, go ahead, BJ. Sorry. Yep. Again, this is one of those cool. Uh, we're not in the same <laughs> cool room, moments. so I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't judge your physical cues. Um, no, it's it's a kitchen sink movie. I mean, it, they just kind of have everything thrown in it. And what's such a bummer is I think so many people disregard it because of that. They're like, oh, this is just a total mess. It's like, yeah, but it's a fun mess. Yeah. At least it's fun. There are a lot of movies that they're trying really hard to not be a mess, and it is a fucking mess. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's definitely some yeah. some inspiration to everything. I mean, they were no, they were just like just messing around just to kind of get something out. It's like whoever was working on it in whatever capacity, they were at least trying their best, you know, to to work with what they have. Yeah. And, puts up and it out, wasn't so. a total failure. It made a, a, a hell of a lot of money on VHS. And you got to think about at the time, like, I want to say that it, I, I don't want to speak out of my ass, which I do a lot. Um, <laughs> but I want to say that it made close to a couple million dollars, like back on VHS. Oh, I totally believe it. I mean, when it I have was a VHS released, copy that has a sticker on it for $25. So you have to think people are paying yeah. like 25 bucks a tape. That's, that's a decent amount of change considering how many people probably saw that fucking crazy cover art with the naked lady on it. And we're like, I'm buying this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was, it was one of those things that, whatever. You know, well, I mean, still, but you got to think like, fucking two million dollars back in 19 like what 88 like that's a lot of fucking cash for you know the you know fucking vhs tape being rented so it it did well it was just you know i don't think it was like batman versus superman everybody saw it and was like eh and then fucking it's gone this is probably more inspired than batman versus superman probably more entertaining i'm just saying Oh, this yep. is way better than Batman versus Superman. <laughs> awesome. Well, you can find Spookies on the YouTubes. 
And uh, whoever, I mean, it would be amazing the VHS, if the, come over to my house. Yeah. We it'd can be amazing watch if, it. If like a 35 millimeter yeah, print showed up or the negatives were found or something. But uh, that's probably, probably not going to happen, unfortunately. Maybe maybe the Vinegar Sorry. Syndrome uh, fellows have something in their gigantic Indiana Jones warehouse. Dude, that'd be nice. <laughs> hey, so I just I just read just to confirm in so the film wrapped up in '84. That was originally oh, wow. when they and they had um, they had 90 percent of the movie done. There was some creative issues, so they didn't have final editing, scoring, or post effects done. In 1985, they hired the uh, Eugene Eugenie Joseph, who is Jeannie Joseph, to direct more and create spooky, spooky. So she added, with an entirely different cast, the footage of the boy looking for his birthday party, okay. the man in the tree, the cat man that shows up, the magician, the girl in the coffin, the zombies, the witch in the basement, and the little boy, blue boy. So that was everything <laughs> that she added. So, yeah, because I remember the directors were – they were making a teenager movie where the teenagers go to the house. They're attacked by monsters. Right. And then, like, they <laughs> they started – like, it opens up with the boy on his birthday, and then the fucking werewolf shows up. And you're like, what? And then somebody dies, like, right off the bat, and you're like, wait, why did that per- – who is that person? Yeah. Never did be – I was like, yeah. oh, he'll, he'll show up later. Nope. Yeah. So, but sadly, you know, she she did this, and then the other movie that I I actually really enjoy, Spookies. She did another movie called Invasion of the Mindbenders. That's really fucking good. That um, it, it's about basically two teenagers that are almost controlled by like an un, like this alien, and it's just got kind of an action horror film that's really decent. That's another movie that's fucking lost. That. You know, had a VHS release and never seen the light of day ever again. And, um, you know, Women in Horror, there you go. She directed two horror films, and then, I don't know, I think she just became mm-hmm. an editor full-time. But, um, yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll have to check that one out, too. Anyways. Pretty great cover yeah, for it's, Invasion it's, of the Mindbenders. Yeah, it's a great movie, too. I, I really, really like it. Fun. Very cool. All right. Um <clears throat> So next week we will be uh, we will be doing a starting to do a contest of some sort. We'll be tweeting it out and we'll talk about it on the show. And um, we have all the all these other we have a bunch of giveaways we need to start doing. So uh, we'll start all that probably next week, right, Brad? Well, we should do some uh, some social media only giveaways as well because we're going to be getting some stuff. So yeah, yeah, we need to we need to. Broadcast that on uh, yeah. social media. So to get follow more, us uh, on Twitter, Scream underscore Cast, and uh, find us on Facebook as well. You can find all of our social media crap by going to thescreamcast.com. There's all the links right up there for all of our social media, and um, yeah, uh, of course. So we have a, we have a we have, I'm just saying we have a vinegar syndrome giveaway coming yep. up. We have a magnolia and magnet uh, is I guess kind of doing a big giveaway for us. we got a bunch of DVDs from them that we're going to be giving away on the show. And, uh, and we got I think some... maybe Mike from Grindhouse Video is doing something too. Yeah, he has a $25 gift certificate to uh, grindhousevideo.com. Oh, I'll and, win uh, that. And I'm also I'll, I'll awaiting a package of giveaway coffee. So 
from coffee shop. So yeah, we got a lot of shit you coming give, up, so You can give that coffee away to me because I'm addicted to that stuff. Oh shit! Maybe if some falls off oh. the truck. <laughs> wow. For real though, Roastbusters <laughs> is some next level deliciousness. Hell that's yeah. all yeah, I'm that's saying. My, that's one of my favorites. Please check out our sponsors and and give them some love. Um, we haven't really broadcast this, but uh, if you do support our sponsors, I, I, I say this like almost every other episode, but if you do support our sponsors and you email us your transaction um, to readme at thescreamcast.com, you'll automatically be entered into our coffee giveaway. Coffee slash whatever else. I'm, I think I have some mugs left, but you'll be entered into that drawing. So please do that. Please support our sponsors. Um, I talked to Mike from Grindhouse Video today. He's going to be getting about seven more uh, Bride of the Reanimator Blu-rays in, and then that's it. Jeez. Arrow is done. So yeah. we'll let you guys know once he has those in stock. Um, and uh, if you go missed... to the Horror Pack, Horror Pack's sponsor. Yep. Vinegar and... Syndrome. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Like I always want to thank everybody. I kind of, I kind of forget. Yep. Uh, Vigor Syndrome, of course, is a sponsor of the show. You can also, also Horror Pack. If you use, uh, there's a link on our website. If you go to thescreamcast.com/sponsors, there's a link provided. You get three bucks off of your Horror Pack order. And of course, uh, coffeeshopofhorrors.com. Use the code Screamcast when you're checking out to get ten percent off. And um, and of course, go there, check out everyone else, Wolfman, Wolfman of Mars, of course, GrindhouseVideo.com, and uh, InkSpatters.com, uh, the art of Kevin Spencer, who designed our logo and everything. Please give them all some love, and if you do spend some money uh, on them, on Vinegar Centrum, Horror Pack, Coffee Shop of Horrors, Grindhouse Video, if you buy Wolfman of Mars album, if you buy something from Kevin Spencer, uh, send us the transaction, screenshot, to read me at thescreamcast.com, you'll automatically be entered your blood into our type, next. Your address, social security number. No, 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 none of that. Wait, none of that. All, <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, we'll why talk to. Why do you ruin to... stuff, Sean? What? Why do you Why do you ruin that? I'm sorry, Brad. Why do you ruin my fun? <laughs> we'll talk to all of you guys next week. Uh, bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.